on May 24, 2006, Mark Whistler, Stephen King, and George Rayburn had run into each other on the eighth day after the disappearance of their mutual friend, Ray Rivera. Prior to the 24th, the men had been active in handing out missing person flyers and putting up posters in the downtown Baltimore area. The group decided to check out the parking garage adjacent to the historic Belvedere Hotel near where Ray's vehicle had been found abandoned days earlier. From the top of the seven-level parking structure, Stephen and George, looking out onto the three-floor attachment of the Belvedere Hotel below, would see two brown flip-flops that would lead them to the discovery of Ray's body and bring the search for their friend to a tragic close. This case file joined the theorists as they raised more questions than answers in The Curious Case of Ray Rivera. to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 161, The Curious Case of Ray Rivera. I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. So is every like unexplained murder we're going to do the curious case? I was so? just thinking is that. that like, God damn it. <laughs> we were recycling these that's, things here. That's what he put in the yeah, notes. So. so that's what it is. I know. I saw that. I'm like, what? Yeah. Okay, cool. I think it lets people know, like then they kind of like the fans who are in the know kind of are in the know of what we're going to be talking about. Well, it's, so it's along the lines of Elisa Lam. Little Elisa Lam. It's just a weird death. It's only the second time we've done it. So it's not too bad. If, I guess in, in two more case files, if it happens again, we'll have to we'll have to step in. Yeah, case file one sixty two, the curious case <laughs> of the Northern Lights. <laughs> case file one sixty three, curious yeah. case of Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> uh, did we already introduce ourselves? Yes. Yeah. Fuck. Jesus. I had a couple too many of these wobbly pops tonight already. Uh, la- oh, you're on the black flies hard, eh? Yeah. The last There's few th- podcasts, you've been a little uh, by the end. Whew, almost Mitra. Almost. Oh, the last Goddamn. one. The last exceptionally. one was fuck your eyes. We're fucking looking two different ways. Or they didn't ever close sometimes when you're speaking. <laughs> it's good shit. Piano tie on, shirt off. It was good luck. People are always screaming for Meat Draw Braden. We're just giving what the people yeah, what they shit want. Shit got sloppy. <laughs> Give them what they want. Just giving the fans what they want. Um, are you we- not entertained? <laughs> it's your eyes going both ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever. What are, what are you going to do? I can't do it. I, I have no control over this. Right? I just drink, and then uh, if he comes out, he comes out. Sometimes <laughs> Mitra he doesn't. Braden is a force of nature. Like, yeah. I cannot control him. <laughs> Sometimes Mitra Braden takes a wheel. I have He's no like control a tornado over him. or Godzilla. Like, Listen, yeah. that's his secret. <laughs> He's always Mitra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anytime he's drinking. Water yep. is half vodka. Oh, uh, that's too much. All right, let's get into uh, let's get into this one. Ray Rivera. Ray, let's get into uh, this curious case. This, yeah, let's get in. I'm curious. <laughs> May 24th, 2006, the body of one Ray Rivera was identified, found inside the historic Belvedere Hotel in Mount Vernon neighborhood of Baltimore, Maryland. Spoiler. Uh, 
that's it. That's as much as I'll go. That's as far as I'll go. Well, we know, Dan, listen, we know you want to get further into it because you love true crime. So we won't interrupt you anymore. You take over. <laughs> Paint us a picture. Not non-committal grunt. Eh. <laughs> I was like, that's it. That's that's the ghost signal. There you go. All so right. there it is. That's that's how it starts. They this man disappears. They find him. Right. He was missing for a week, and then and then May twenty sixth, two thousand six, he was found uh, in a room, uh, dead. Surprise. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, and now this is where it gets curious. <laughs> Take it all the way back, Andrew. So, what is it? Officially, officially ruled a suicide, but there are a bunch of stuff that the most recently the Netflix docu series Unsolved Mysteries brought up a bunch of points to light or kind of. So, actually, it, it's actually been ruled undetermined. Uh, the, the Maryland police or the Baltimore police kind of were, you know, erring on the side of suicide, and the medical examiners were were unable to conclude that it was a suicide. There was no definitive, like there was no definitive proof that he commit suicide or he was murdered or anything in between. So they kind of went, it's actually still open right now as un, undetermined death. Right. So the final case, which we'll get to after we go back to the backstory is undetermined death of this Ray Rivera. Yeah. So who is Ray Rivera? Ray Rivera was a 32 year old aspiring filmmaker, family man. Um, you know, he was engaged to this woman named Allison. They were attempting to build a life for each other in Los Angeles. Um, and like, you know, when you look at it, 32 years old, which is something, you know, everybody on this podcast is kind of in a similar age range as Ray at this point in time. You know what I mean? Everybody's kind of looking, either getting married, looking at starting a family around that age. And Ray was planning to do the same thing. And unfortunately for him, uh, he was kind of in the middle of writing screenplays, putting on plays, that type of stuff. And unfortunately for him, that wasn't really paying the bills. So he was kind of forced into a situation to look into more of a career, right? You know, like something that he can fill his bank account, you know, something to start a family on, and then maybe he can pursue his film career a little bit later. Um, and it turns out, um, Ray had this childhood friend, a guy he grew up with. They played water polo together. They went to prom together, like best friend. Uh, his friend, uh, Frank Porter Stansberry. Uh, now, Porter had been trying to recruit Ray to come out and work for him in Baltimore for years. And Ray was kind of like, you know what, listen, I'm going to keep trying to live the dream. I want to be a filmmaker. You know, he's a creative guy. And he kind of stuck to his guns until he got to a point where he's like, listen, this isn't paying off. So he took his buddy Frank up. Uh, on this on this opportunity. So in 2004, Ray and Allison moved to Baltimore from Los, uh, Los Angeles so he could work for Frank's company, uh, Stansberry & Associates. Now, Stansberry Associates was, is from, you guys might know better than I would, but it's a financial services company. So uh, they'd give you like investment advice, uh, research. They'd help you basically invest in stocks. So I, I was actually, it's funny because I was actually unclear about that too because Ray actually worked freelance for them for like an like a, a, like a newspaper or a, a quarterly that they would put out basically saying a little write-up about like stocks that were in the dumps that were expected to take off and you should was, buy them now. Yeah. Which was actually, it was called the rebound report. I'm, yeah. I, I'm picturing, remember that crazy guy on TV who would scream at you and tell you what stocks to buy. I'm just picturing a, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly. What, what, what was that fucking about. guy's name? He would just scream at you the like, sell, dude. sell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was on like Fox and Friends or some shit after yeah. Mad Money or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Was it Mad Money? Mad Money sounds right. Yeah. So he's, yeah. he's just doing a tamed down version, newspaper version of what stocks have gone down, but they're about to rebound and what, so what to invest in to like better your, better the profit is what he's doing. So Ray takes his job moves out to Baltimore. He's there for about three months away from Allison, right? It's taken her a time. I'm assuming it's due to her job back in LA. So she's got to finalize things. They move to Baltimore, spends a little bit of time alone, makes some new friends. And you know what I mean? Right off the bat, we start hearing that maybe, you know, from these associates that he's made or friends that he's talking to back in LA, that he's not really happy with the job. He expresses that he's not really into the nine to five. He's a creative guy, you know, and it's maybe just, not what he was looking for, or what he was expecting. Dude, it's it's literally any time he talked to Zell when he's had to put on the tool belt for more than one day a week. Dude, I this I can relate to this guy one hundred percent. You come out of school, you got to get a job, so because you, you need to make money, you can't. No one just, I mean, it's very rare that your passion takes you to instant financial security overnight. It's one in a million. So right? yeah. like that's I never thought I'd be getting fucking pooped on for a living. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not, like, I did not see that happening. That's just not worth it. Yeah. So anyways. Anyways. So, yeah. So in the summer of 2005, after about 18 months, uh, Ray's been in this position. He decides to leave the job editing the newsletter, the rebound report, and instead focusing on building a uh, video production company. Uh, now I'm going to, Dan, do you know it's Siba? Does that sound right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, is that good? Yep. So SIBA Video Productions. <laughs> Dan doesn't even know. He's just agreeing. He's Hispanic. I know, I know the name of his video production company is SABA. It's the National Tree of Puerto Rico. Exactly. What? See? Yeah, he's Hispanic. He knows. Yep. He's from he's from Puerto Rico. His parent, his family is from Puerto Rico. And what's his, what's the SIBA? SIBA, it's the National Tree of Puerto Rico. Oh. So he leaves his jo- his cushy job with Porter Stansberry, his best friend, and decides to start this video production company. Um, and from all the accounts that I've read, it was an amicable split. Porter wasn't upset. There was no resentment. You know what I mean? He just decided to... These guys were best friends, right? Oh, brothers. Like, and, and the way I kind of thought about it is I was like, well, it'd be essentially like if, you know, one of us were, you know, say I had a business and I was like, Hey Zell, I know you're trying to do your fucking couple of monkey shit or whatever. <laughs> Why don't you come work for me? while uh, you know, while you're trying to make that work. And then after a while you're like, Hey man, this is just not for me. Like I want to go do my own thing. And I'm and like, then yeah, six months all, later you good. end up through the roof of a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm not Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, that's fine. You can fucking leave, leave whenever you want. I don't care. Doesn't bug me in the slightest. So in order to start SIBA, Ray has to take out a $15,000 cash advance on Allison's credit card so he can buy equipment and whatnot and start the company. Um, And I guess this company that he's, he's producing videos for uh, Agora, he's under contract for Agora, which is like, that's the company that owns Stansberry and Associates. Does that sound right to you guys? They're subsidiary. Yeah, subsidiary. Whatever is a a subsidiary of Agora. Yeah. Okay. So he starts this new business. And then and then Ray started his business, which was a subsidiary like of that as well. 
Fast forward to 2000 or November 5th, 2005, Ray and Allison get married in Puerto Rico. You know, we already know he's got the, the, the tree is the name of his company. Puerto Rico was a very important part of his life. Um, and then in 2006, Ray and Allison decide to return to LA to plan to move back. Right. So I guess Baltimore is not the best fit. They're not enjoying it. They want to go home. Well, he wants to, he wants to take his video career further. He wants to go, you know, you want, you want to, you would t- you're back to Tinseltown. Well, exactly. Like he, he actually finished, um, his screenplay midnight polo, which he really wanted to take back to LA and start shopping around and see if he could get a deal for. Um, and that's when things start going a little bit different, a little bit weird. So when they return from LA, uh, Ray starts acting really odd. According to Allison, he's very edgy and nervous. Um, according to Allison, he began to go everywhere with her. Wouldn't let her out of his sight. Yeah, he she began was, really. She was really worried. He was really worried about her. He was very Being agitated, alone. irritated, restless. Um, his friends described him as a reckless spender and terrible with money during this time as well, which is weird because everybody else before that was, you know, really said that Ray was a really frugal guy. So we're having a really uncharacteristic behavior from him all of a sudden. Yeah, which is quite bizarre. So, the, the, and this is noticed as soon as they come back come to back LA. It wasn't LA. Yeah, exactly. And like for an example, Allison uh, decides like Allison's training for a triathlon. So she wants to go run at a nearby track. So she tells Ray, okay, I'm going to go train for the triathlon. going to do some laps. And Ray insists on going with her, which is bizarre. She's like, I don't understand. Like you'd never accompany me on this before. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to watch me? Like, it's kind of weird. Um, Allison tells him like, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. And Bray's like, not a fucking chance. I'm, I'm going. So Ray sits in the bleachers and starts reading a book. And oddly enough, a man enters the track area and right away, Ray freaks out. He stands up and like starts darting his way down to the track to go see who this fucking guy is and why he's talking to Allison. Um, oddly enough, it ended up becoming nothing. You know, the guy left, there was no incident or anything like that, but just right there. It's just odd behavior, right? So a straight change of character. He becomes like an overbearing partner. He like, he's doesn't want doesn't want her to leave his sight. Like he doesn't want to leave her alone. He's like, he's wor- more worried than he normally would be. The perfect word to describe this for me is paranoid. Gotcha. It's, it's also, that's, that's interesting. You say because I watched an interview with Allison about the track that Dan, the track and she did say someone talked to her, but then I had thought that, and maybe I misheard when I was listening to it, but I had heard that she said that afterwards, this person, a stranger went and talked to, um, Ray and then Ray was visibly like visibly upset. And he, she was like, well, what's going on? He's like, well, nothing, nothing. I don't know. It's nobody, but he was like genuinely upset after this meet meeting with this, supposed stranger. Right. Wow. And did she say anything about the conversation that she had with a stranger? Not n- nothing, nothing and nothing that she could recall other than just like a high in passing as he strolled. And then Ray and him ex- exchanged a pleasant while exchanged some sort of conversation. Another thing to add too, it's like Ray, this, this guy's like six, five, two, six. He's fucking he's huge. A goddamn unit. Brick shit house. He's a, he's a beast. He's a fucking defensive lineman. Like he's a D end. Well, like no, he's terrifying. not. He's a water polo player, but well, but that's why he's built like one. 
I don't, you know I, I don't mean? know like, if that's, that's fair dude. if you're playing water polo and you're fucking, you know, your feet are on the ground. <laughs> you know, right? shit. Right? You're just you're running. Just you'd, have just you'd have to play in the deep end the whole time. Yeah. He's just like this. He's like this all the time in the water. <laughs> crocodile. So what you're saying is uh, that Ray's got a couple CGs on his, uh, on his abdomen. Oh, yeah. Dude's a <laughs> brick shit house. Well, yeah, he was, well, he was just a big boy. Yeah. I don't know if he so had I've, any CGs. Can yeah. you imagine that guy that he comes like sprinting up that just said hi to his old lady? Just like, oh, sprinting shit. down the bleachers. No, not doing nothing. It's all, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, Fastest lap that guy ever ran, <laughs> I bet. Fuck. <laughs> so, um, you know, during this time too, which is something that we should bring up, is this whole, like the, this last week since they got back from LA, Ray's been spending the majority of his time reading this book called The Builders. And it's a book about masonry. Oh. Which is interesting. So... May 14th, Mother's Day, Ray and Allison go to church. Upon returning home, Allison oversees, overhears a conversation. Um, it's Ray leaving a voicemail, and he says, Hey, man, give me a call back. I finally got it all figured out. And it turns out later that this call was made to Porter Stansberry, his friend. His best friend. So she, yeah, just, best friend. she just overhears him say this. She doesn't really get the context of the call. She just finds it strange. Which is interesting because it must be strange enough for it to stand out. Well, like this is mm, peculiar. What, this, you, what, and here's the thing though. Here's the thing. At the time, at the time, I guarantee you, it was a nothing phone call for her. Nothing. It was just like, oh yeah. But then, you know, after Ray's untimely death, she starts going and she's starting to think about all this back stuff. Now this plays like a weird like, well, now that I'm thinking about what did he figure out? What was, what was the issue? What was going on? Like I, all these things come to like, obviously come to light for her as she's thinking back on this. I've got to think that she must've like, cause so he's octane bizarre. Everything seems some like everything's he's weird. Octane. He's, he's octane bizarre. He's, he's octane, bizarre. octane very bizarre. <laughs> and what, you know what I mean? So I feel like, like you would have to, like, I can't fucking remember listening to, you know, Jessica's upstairs having conversations. I'm like, fucking go in the other room. I'm trying to watch the game. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, she's obviously like paying close attention to him right now. Well, well you know what I mean? Well, she's now on like his, his behavior and his mood has changed. Like she's probably noticed this, right? So now, totally. But, you know what? Actually, now that you're mentioning this, this seems suspicious to me in itself that she's, she can remember this stuff. Cause like, like you said, Andrew, I would never like passing like Not yeah. afterwards, like if something were to happen afterwards, you'd be like, what, what happened this last week leading up to this? And maybe you would pick that out and, and maybe you would have tidbits. But the fact that she was all of a sudden, like, you know, very concerned with these issues and like rec recalled all these things. It, it actually is like, now that we're thinking about it, talking about it, I'm like, that is very weird because I'm like, if you asked me about a conversation I had last week, if like one of my coworkers vanished tomorrow and they're like, Braden, we need to know the last thing you said to him. I'd be like, I have no idea. Got me. Unless they no were idea. acting extremely bizarre and you yeah, were paying a little bit like, closer attention to them, right? If he was like, hey, Braden, won't see me again. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> see you tomorrow. And then he didn't come in. I'd be like. He told me yesterday he wouldn't see me again. And I said, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, well, like, yeah. And that exactly. comes from like a week. Like, 
the stuff she's saying doesn't seem that strange for me to be like, oh, I, I just remember that. But I, you know, maybe and, she's unless a, it's maybe she's a jealous it's that person. Much, well, but unless it's that much out of character for him, you know what I mean? Like unless it's like just like a fucking a flip, like a flip of the coin, like he's a completely different person since this trip. You know, never been jealous, never been fucking paranoid, nothing like that. All of a sudden, he's being different ca- character. So anyways, changes. Let's continue on the timeline. Things kind of like things start making sense. Like you, you know what I mean. Like on May fifteenth, May fifteenth, May fifteenth, home a home alarm goes off at one a.m. Right. So that's kind of fucking weird. He's acting strange. He seems paranoid, and, and the fucking the they have a like. It's a weird alarm system too, because they actually have like a fucking loudspeaker outside the window of their bedroom that, like, I'm guessing just blares like the loudest fucking noise. So instantly they're up. Well, yeah, and it's pressure. Sen- it's pressure censored. So like they're saying like that only goes off if someone tampers with the screen or like tries to like like push like push on. So if you're like I guess like if you push on the door, you push on the window, it would trigger that sensor, and then yeah, fucking hurricane w- sirens go off. <laughs> Fucking raid fucking siren. And as far as I could as far as I could tell, that alarm, it's not like it was a sensitive alarm. It wasn't like triggering every night. This is like a new thing. They said it had never ever gone off ever before since they lived there. Not once. You already have this guy who's having this irrational paranoia and this odd behavior. And now his alarms are going off at 1 a.m. in the morning. And so Allison, like an interesting thing about this first alarm. Is that they Ooh, first they alarm. obviously the first alarm they yeah. oh, spoiler uh, <laughs> yeah. they go downstairs and Ray's got a bat and Allison said she's never seen Ray scared like he is at this moment. You know what? Here's listen. I I will say this. I'm a huge pussy, and if huge. my alarm if my alarm huge. went off at one in the morning and I was with a significant other. I would have a bat and a knife. I'd be like, you go first. I don't want to go. Like they, like you would see that same fear in me. Dude, if I was that, if I was Ray Rivera, I'd be like, there's a 99% chance that this motherfucker is not even close to as big as me. Yeah. But here's the thing, dude, I guarantee you, I guarantee you there's big guys out there that are like, yeah, I'm big, but I, I don't, I, I literally could do nothing. I don't want to do anything. And I, I don't want any kind of comfort. Like there's big guys yeah, I'm like big, that. 100%. But I have feelings and yeah, emotions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sensitive. Yeah, exactly. And maybe Babe, Ray's like first. that. Yeah. Like maybe he's, maybe he's Ray. Maybe Ray is an Andrew in a just monster body. Well, think about it too. They're in Baltimore. That's a hard name, man. Baltimore. Yeah, they, like, lived, they lived in a nicer neighborhood, but still they lived, was they, Baltimore, they lived in, in a, they lived in an area where they thought that having pressure censored loudspeaker alarms was warranted was that necessary have, that have never gone off. So th- this is the first time they've go- gone off. <clears throat> so if that's the first time it's happened is the middle of the night. Like, of course you'd be this like right freaked out. You I'm surprised you didn't have a gun. I don't know what the state carry laws in Balt and was it Maryland? Is that the state? Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised probably, if he wanted, if he wanted to get a gun, he could probably get yeah. a gun. So I'm surprised he doesn't have a gun, but he, so he, he grabs a bat there's no no intruder, no sign. Like they call the police, and the police do a, little, a quick scan, and they say, "Oh, it's probably just a squirrel, <laughs> just a squirrel looking for nuts." You're like, um. that's all it is. So then May sixteenth comes around, early or early hours, approximately one a.m. 
again, again same thing happens. Fuck. Right? Same thing, two nights in a row around the same time. It's like someone's... It's either somebody's trying to get at you or you're getting paranormally activated. Both things fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Well, okay, when I was reading into this and looking into the timeline, at this point with everything, I'm starting to think at this point that Ray thinks or has the impression that maybe someone's after him or after Allison. Right. Alarm two nights in a row. The weird behavior. Right. Doesn't want her out of her sight, out of his sight. Like, you know, he's freaking the fuck out. The alarm's going off two nights in a row. He's paranoid. He's fucking shit in his pants. He's not acting normal. But it's like, and then when the, with the alarms, like, okay, maybe before it's unwarranted, but now two nights in a row, like you have reason to be concerned. Like if they're going off at night, why the fuck are they going off in the day? Like when you're like, how do these alarms work? Do you have to set it? Like, is it just so I would imagine when anyone, like if you're at home though, and you like lock the door at like fucking six, six at night, lock the door. Does it auto set that like now if someone tampers it, your alarms go off to let you know? Well, you'd you'd have to talk to the alarm company. There's different kinds. Like you can lo- you can set your alarm while you're at home, but you turn off the motion sensors. You just have the windows and doors activated. So mm-hmm. if someone like tries to break in midday your home, it would blast off. But I didn't I didn't Dude, look into what, what kind me. of I this this is to me even having alarm systems crazy like this to me it it sounds unbelievable. I literally left my garage door open all day today, and I came home and I had two Amazon packages on my front door, and my garage door was wide fucking open, and not a thing was taken. Dude, I've done that so many times. <laughs> all day, all day. Oh, Canada, <laughs> like all day. It's it's usually because I close my garage door, but I'm an idiot and I left something in front of the sensor. And you just drive away. And just yeah, drive away. And then that's what I did. all my tools, a full set of finishing carpentry tools, a mountain bike, like. Yeah, but to be fair, Zell, your truck did get stolen. My truck got stolen. That's a whole nother story mm-hmm. that I will not tell today. Yeah, we, we, we all know. It's in, it's in Iraq. The, the fucking, Taliban yeah. Taliban's got it. it. They're fucking driving around the desert. The cop told me all okay. about it, but well, another time, another time. So that happened early morning, May 16th. Also on May 16th, um, you know, Ray wakes up with Allison, makes her breakfast. Uh, Allison's actually got a business trip to go out of town. So Ray kind of helps her with her luggage, packs her up, lets her go. And later that day, uh, Ray has a meeting in Maryland with a member of, uh, the Freemasons. Interesting. He goes to the was, lodge. He goes to the yeah. local lodge to join. Yeah, well, so to talk asking, about joining. talk about yeah, it. he's asking in, questions. In my mind, I'm thinking he's a he's a like he's a he's a writer, he's a filmmaker. Maybe he's working on a project and he wants to get a little more information. That's what my mind went to right away. But well, there like from what I've I've heard is that Ray believed that joining the Freemasons would like give him a leg up in the film industry because he believed that a lot of the you know the film industry was run ran by the Masons. Well, maybe he might not be wrong. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. They're pretty secretive. Well, I don't know. From what I read too, though, it's like he always had like this fascination with secret societies and uh, those kind of things. So maybe like, you know, it, it would be easy for one of us to, you know, say that that same thing and be like, you know, all oh, the cabals are running the world. Like 
And, you know, how many times has Zell tried to sell his soul to the devil to get the pick of destiny? You mm. know what I mean? So it's like, is this, this guy's just like, you know what? I'm not getting anywhere. Like I, I'm, I'm at my, I'm trying everything. I want to be a filmmaker. That's my dream. Fuck it. Right. If there's, if these cults run Hollywood, I'm going to join one of these fucking cults. Oh, so he's at a last resort. Like I'm joining every relig religion. I'm joining every cult I can. I'm looking into everything. Cause why not? What's going to hurt? Yeah, maybe. Well, exactly. Like he's already tried to, you know, do something else for a living and fucking hated it. Right. Yeah. So he meets with the Masons, has the meeting, just goes to a bookstore and buys free Masons for dummies. Of course. Right. So he's yeah, like, where else are you going to do your research? Right. You need the dummies books. They're perfect. That's what that's what that's what Dan subscribes to. That's why he knows everything. That's why yeah. he knows everything. He's you, all, he's you, the, he is, Dan has the full for dummies collection. If you look at Dan's bookshelf, it's just like 400 for dummies. <laughs> it's just golden yellow <laughs> from wall to wall. It's all it. It's like instead of having National Geographic magazines, it's all yeah. for dummies. Yeah, for dummies. In the defense of those books, have you ever read one? They're quite knowledgeable. Yeah. They're, they're awesome. pretty good. I can't read. Yeah, I was sorry, just going to say, sorry, as you can tell by everything that I do in my life, I've never read one of those books because I am not good at anything. But anyways. Take Dan's collection. <laughs> I don't read so good. <laughs> no. So later that day, so he buys the book. He continues on his day. Um, he phones a gentleman by the name of Adam Gold, an employee of the Chesapeake Systems, which is, you know, I guess they book out rooms for uh, video recording. So he uh, he books a he books this room so he can, you know, work on his new, I can't remember the name, Chiba? What was the name of the tree again, Dan? Chiba. 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 It's like Chiba? Saiba or something like that. Saiba. Yeah, I, I'm so not 100% sure how you pronounce it. <laughs> so he books a room for next weekend so he can do, you know, a, a sponsored video conference. Um for his employer, Stansbury Associates. Um, so he's going on with his regular life, booking things. He's making plans. Um, later that night, Allison ends the day around 6, 630 and calls from the hotel to check in on Ray to see, you know, how he's doing and tell her about her day and whatnot. Um, no answer. So Allison gets kind of concerned and it turns out around this time, um, Ray and Allison actually had a guest at their house by the name of Claudia. Now, I don't think Claudia is the real name. It was, it was a placeholder for the documentary. Well, it might story. be to protect her. Right. Yeah. But we're, we're, we're going with Claudia. Protect her from what, Braden? Protect her from what? Fucking intruders coming at knocking on the door at 1 a.m. Well, not even that. Just like questions because it's like, obviously, she has, she has a small part to play in this. But obviously, she has done nothing. So or she's this, scared. Or she's scared yeah. she's going to meet Ray's face. She just she didn't sign any clearance to be on Unexplained Mysteries. So anyways, we know this woman as Claudia, yep. who is their house guest. Uh, Allison describes Claudia's got her own shit going on, which means she's staying with them for a reason. She's, she's that friend. <laughs> now, exactly. now, was she a friend? That's what I mean. or, I've read she also may have been like a business associate or what exactly was Claudia? She was a friend and a business associate. I would, I'd imagine she would have to be like, you'd have to be more than just a business associate to let somebody stay with you. Well, I, well, yeah, but like, like, I'm not just going to let fucking Braden stay with me. You know what I mean? I might do a podcast with him. Yeah, it's I'm true. Not fucking hang out with the guy. Yeah. You gotta like, yeah, a, you right? gotta like the person, I guess a little bit. Right. Exactly. So she tries to get a hold of Ray. 
no answer. So she decides to call Claudia to see like, you know what? Have you seen Ray? It's kind of weird that he's not answering his phone. Um, Claudia is like, you know what? Ray's not home right now, but she does state that Ray got a phone call around six 30. So right before Allison called and he had a brief conversation and she heard him exclaim out loud. Oh shit. And he ran out of the house, which seemed kind of bizarre. Uh, Ray returns then a few minutes later and then leaves again. Uh, and then the other weird stuff is Ray leaves his, like he's, he's in the middle of having a snack. He's got a grapefruit. He's got, uh, sour cream and onion chips. You know what I mean? Like, it, so you can tell he kind of left the house in a hurry, which is a little bit weird, but Allison thinks, you know what? Like, it's not that weird because he does have a deadline for this video that he's making for Stansberry and associates. He, he literally leaves the house exactly how I leave my house at all times. Just in a panic and a mess. So, just sour cream and onion chips bag open black flies all over the place. <laughs> Garbage full. Um, also, he had his computer open at this time and his, he had a website up that gave the time of that day's sunrise and sunset. So he's checking out some space news. Know, Listen, yeah, I thought exactly. this, I thought that was weird. I thought that was weird when I first heard that. I was like, <sighs> I, I had a instant this explanation. Significance. I, I was like, holy shit. What is this about? And then, I was the filmmaker doing some reading and stuff. And then someone on Reddit was like, yeah, but he's a filmmaker. Lighting would be really important. That's probably something Dude, he'd want to know. That's the golden hour, like, like the hour after sunrise and the hour before sundown. Yeah. Well, and he'd also been checked. He's, he'd also been talking with different Chesapeake systems employees about filming on the top of the Belvedere hotel, which was a hotel that was right next to, um, Stanbury and associates. And that was the plan for him was to film on the roof. Of it's that literally across the street. Yeah. Yeah. But there was no, like there's no like written or evidence that he actually said that that's just what they, they're like, yeah, they talked about filming on the top, but there was no like scheduled shoot or anything like that. No, like that, that's just what we've heard from when they interviewed the employees. Yeah. Like that's yeah. So let's take it to May 17th. So on May 17th, the next day, Allison awakes and phones Claudia right away you know what I mean? Just to be like, Hey, listen, I haven't heard from Ray all night. You know, has he come home? You know, if he's home, can you fucking wake him up so he can talk to me? Turns out Ray still hasn't returned home yet. Still gone. Allison. Yeah. Allison's like, Kate, something's fucking weird. This is completely out of character for him. Calls Ray's brother, calls a family and says, listen, you know, have any of you guys talked to Ray? I haven't heard from him and I'm really concerned. Um, after talking to angel, his brother, this guy who lives in Orlando, hops on a fucking plane and flies there straight. This away. is this is how out of character it is for Ray to be missing. It, yeah, like this this to be honest. If Lady Zell called me tomorrow and was like, "Hey, Ryan hasn't come home tonight," I'd be like, "I don't know, fucking." Hopefully, he comes home tomorrow. Yeah. Well, this see, guy was I so about that this guy was I, so concerned that he's just like this is so fucked up and is so unlike my brother. That I'm, I've got to get on a plane. That's how worried I am. Honestly, though, honest, like I put some thought into that. And I also thought that, you know, if somebody called me and said, hey, you know what? I haven't talked to Dom in a fucking, in a, in a night. Or you think about it, somebody hasn't talked to Scotty in a night. I'd be like, well, it's kind of fucking weird. But, you know, whatever, he's an adult and he can handle himself. I'm in fucking Orlando. I don't know how far away. So it kind of leads me to think that maybe his brother knew 
that there might be something going on with this guy. Maybe he knew something in his past. You know what I mean? That, oh, you know what? When Ray goes missing, that means there's fucking something's wrong. I, I will also say this. There is a concept of family among like, you know, um, Puerto Ricans and other cultures <laughs> that I don't understand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, just me and my family are not close at all. Do you we spend no... a lot of time with Puerto Ricans? No, I but like I'm... when I when I have friends, I have friends, what? like Puerto Rican friends and stuff, who it's like they're friends. Uh-oh. <laughs> what the fuck? You know what I mean? Oh, like the fa- like the family units are super close. Why? Let's refer to Dan. We have a fellow Latino on our podcast. Dan, if you did not talk to a family member for a night, would you get upset and fly? I don't know how far away Baltimore is from Orlando, but I'm assuming it's far away. No, I work. I work on movie police uh, things where it's like if they're not if they're missing, they got to be missing for more than 24 hours. Right. Okay. All I'm all I'm saying is is that <laughs> they had a fan. They had a strong family. Wasn't their family? Didn't he come from like a military family where they moved around a lot, so they didn't have a lot of lifelong friends? So his dad, his dad was in the air force or something. Yeah. So right? I, in that case, then like you'd be closer with your like your family than a normal family because you're Dead traveling friends. around. You don't get a chance to make lifelong friends. You're always making short term friends wherever you go. Listen, that's it's it's from six p.m. till five a.m. the next day. How the fuck far is Orlando? How far away is Orlando from He was from known to go out and party with Porter. Exactly. Right? He was known to go out in Baltimore. Porter was a, you know, pretty well off. He liked the finer things. Your and wife's out of town. Right. Your you, wife's out of town. Yeah. You're probably going to take advantage of that. Go with the boys. It's just a little bit bizarre to me, man. Like I just, it's weird that such a giant red flag was being fucking waved. I just, and everybody's like, holy fuck. It's 885 miles I, driving. He, I, I guess I'd have to be on the other end of that phone call to see, to hear how worried Alice was, Allison, because, you know, maybe that could convince me if the person who called me sounded that concerned, but it does sound, it does feel, I agree with you. It feels like maybe Angel, you know, was feeling that there's more stuff going on than they're letting on. Maybe she, okay, to, to, to play contrarian to that, maybe she did say he's been acting fucking super weird lately. These are the things he's been doing. Nothing, none of that makes sense. Yeah, he's you know he's already I mean? had so the maybe, change of character. It's been going on for a while. We had the we, we had the two we, we had the two alarms. So we, there's already a bunch of stuff going on. Now he doesn't show up the next the next night after the second alarm. So yeah, calls his brother and be like, okay, no, that's a that's a very good fair statement, Sal, because. That's a completely different phone call. If you if I got a call from Lady Sal and she's like, hey, listen, a bunch of weird shit's been happening. Our alarm's gone off two nights in a row. Zell's been acting fucking really freaked out. Now he's not home and he's not calling me. I'm seriously concerned. Yeah. Be- Can you fly and help me look for him? Because we'd have to we'd have to know like I'm, what's I'm the flying, what's, what's the relationship what's their relationship like if he goes out with Porter? Does he go like, yeah, we're going, I'm going out with Porter. Does he tell her every time or has he gone, as he like just partied with him all night before? If, if it's never happened before and all this stuff has gone on, the alarms, the weird behavior. And then she calls his brother and he's like, and she's, she's probably like, she wouldn't be her normal self. Now she'd be freaking out probably. I would imagine yeah. at, at this point. Yeah. But yeah. So, you know what I mean? I don't know. It, it, it seems like the whole family right away, like descended upon Baltimore and we're like, we got to fucking figure this shit out. She calls everyone. So, they all come. They all come the next by the next day. Everyone's there in the living room, 
Within the next two days, they have a fucking complete command center set up, calling every single hospital, you know, all people that know Ray looking into the fact that, you know, he's disappeared and where he might be. I guess Claudia dealing with drama of her own kind of left, went home and the family took over, set up command and tried starting to look for him. May let's fast forward to May 22nd. Ray's car was found in the mid afternoon in a paid parking lot right beside the Belvedere hotel. Oh, and they, and they had been looking like they, it's like they've been Searching. canvassing. They've been canvassing neighborhoods, walking the streets, asking people, going to his known whereabouts, calling friends. They've been doing everything hospitals. at this point already. Hospitals like they, they're actively searching for this guy. Yeah. Um, and then the weird thing too, the fact that they found his vehicle, there was no recording equipment at all, you know, and that's right near the area that he would potentially be filming this, whatever he was filming on the roof of the Belvedere. Um, there was no signs that it would, might've been stolen. There's no signs of a struggle, anything like that. His just car was just fucking neatly parked there. You know, looked completely normal. Found with a parking ticket. Exactly. And then on May 24th, two days later, um, two fellow employees that Ray knew went out for lunch and ran into one of Ray's close friends that he worked with, you know, and they started bullshitting and they're like, you know, we're out for lunch. What are you up to? Do you want to join us? He's like, you know what? Um, I'm actually kind of just canvassing the area to see if maybe there's any traces of where Ray is or, you know, any, any inclination of what might've happened, you know, since we found his car here. So all three of them kind of teamed up and started checking this uh, parking garage where the people who stayed at the Belvedere would park. Uh, they worked their way to the top of this parking garage. And when they got up top, one of them kind of looked at the roof below and they noticed something kind of weird. They noticed a, just a random flip-flop sitting there. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. And they kept looking and, you know, lo and behold, there was another flip-flop. And then a pair of glasses and a phone. And, and this isn't, this isn't when we say that they're, they're seeing these things, this isn't they're walking and finding these things. They're looking 20 feet down, down onto a lower roof and they're going, hey, there's a flip-flop down there. Hey, there's another flip-flop. Hey, there's some keys all kind of not too strewn from each other. And then, and then they notice a hole in the roof. And that's when they're like, okay, this is kind of fucking weird. So I guess the detectives, you know, the police had been through the office, talked to everybody that knows Ray. These people are actually somewhat close with Ray, you know? So I'm assuming they, the detective must have left a card with them. So immediately they hop on the phone and get a hold of the media, the leading detective on the case. And say, hey, listen, this is what we found. There's a hole. We found some belongings. We don't know if it belongs to Ray, but you should probably get here. Because they can't and get, they can't actually access this. This is, this was actually a weird, very strange yeah. aspect for me. Because if I was standing on a parking garage and I saw on the adjacent building that's a little bit below that there was a hole and some stuff on the roof, I would assume that the building knew about this fucking hole. Yeah, exactly. Right away, I wouldn't be like, I better call the police about this hole because I'm missing a friend and I want to, you know, this hole looks weird. Well, the, for me, like the hole for me is not the weird part. It's the fucking 
personal belongings yeah, but they around don't, the hole. You don't know who these belong to. No, you don't know, but that's why the fuck would there be a random pair of flip-flops, glasses, and a fucking phone sitting well, there? It, like if it was if it was one flip-flop, I'd be like, oh, maybe somebody was sitting on the edge and their flip-flop fell off. But the fact that there's two flip-flops, a fucking phone, and a pair of glasses. Well, you're at a hotel. The hotel's got windows. I mean, you know, disputes happen. Hotels, you could easily have made the connection to like, oh, some girl has chucked her husband's phone and stuff out the window. Like, fuck you. It's a fucking hotel. So you think like, honestly, honestly, I've thought about this, this at one aspect of it. If I were on that parking garage and I looked down and I saw this stuff and I saw the hole, I would immediately be like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. But my brain would go, obviously the hotel knows about a hole in the fucking roof. That's what I would, that's what my brain would jump to. But you also got to think too, that the fact that like these people are out there for a purpose, they're not walking around yeah, randomly true, coming upon true. this. They're looking for this guy, right? So they want to find, they want to think it has something to do with Ray, right? Yeah. So they so, see all this stuff. They con, do they contact the police first or they contact, they contact the hotel management? From everything I've read, it says that they contacted the police. Now, that could be completely wrong because, you know, we're finding our fucking information from, you know, not the best sources, but. Yeah. So from what I understand is they contacted the police and the police show up and they find out that this area with this hole in is actually like an annex area of the Belvedere Hotel, which I guess used to be a pool. Does that sound right to you guys? It was like a yeah. kind of like a pool or like a maybe like a racket club kind of thing, like a old like a decrepit fitness place, maybe with like a banquet room in it is what it seemed like, but not used anymore. So no one really goes in there ever. The pool exactly. was fi- the pool was filled in and turned into two offices. Okay, there you go. So it's an area that's not being used on a daily basis, right? So that could be potentially why there was a hole in this roof. Nobody noticed. You'd like to think that somebody would have heard something come fucking flying through a roof, whatever it was. You'd think it would be loud, but either way, no one had reported this mysterious hole. Uh, so the police go and investigate it. And unfortunately what they found in that abandoned annex area was Ray's body found lying prone, wedged up against the wall um, and in that unused area of the Belvedere. Now, Ray's body was already in advanced stages of decomposition. Well, you know what? Actually, he was kind of in a, a, a he was just about turning the corner to the advanced um, stages of decomposition because this was what? This was May 24th and he was last seen 16th. when on the 16th. Yeah. So what is that? Like six days? Eight days. Sorry, eight days. So after eight days, this is, you know, after eight days, a body in, um, that's decomposing, you would notice stuff like they'd be bloating. Uh, the organs had already would be decomposed. Um, you'd have lots of maggots. The body would kind of be turning colors. They'd probably be like a a, a green and a dark black at this point in time. So I can only imagine, you know what I mean? Like the guy in, the, in Unsolved Mysteries, when they interviewed him, he's like, when they opened the door, the smell... He's like, he can never forget it. And every, anytime he has to go in there, he can like, it's like embedded in his mind. Like I'll be honest, I, I've done a similar situation to this many a time. And the last body I could remember that had been about, you know, between the, I think it was a week or within a week, a couple of days, either give or take. And like, we went up on this apartment building, got up to the top floor and the elevator doors opened and there was fucking 
12 rooms on this top floor. And as soon as the elevators opened, you could smell it. There was maggots in the hallway. Right. You know what I mean? Leading up into this room. Like it was, you could fucking, and then when you open the door, like that smell goes right into the pit of your stomach and just stays there. Like I smelt it for weeks. It's just a smell you don't forget, man. It's the most rancid, disgusting, nauseating smell that I, you can, I can't even, I just can't fucking even put it into words to be honest with you. Okay. So now we found the body. Let's take a quick beer break and then we'll go through what else we find out at the hotel and then get into some theories. We'll be right back. We're back. So as we were saying, you know, he's, he's already in this somewhat, he's in the, you know, the first week of decomposition, which is kind of starting to begin on the advanced stages. So we got the bloating, the maggots, just not a good scene. Everybody that found this body that, you know, hasn't seen a dead body before is obviously fucking scarred. Not a pretty smell. Not great. Um, along with that, you know, the medical examiner comes in and they notice that Ray has this wide variety of injuries ranging from rib fractures, a punct- punctured lungs, both, um, multiple skull fractures. And then the, the one that stands out the most is he's got these bilateral compound tib fib fractures. Explain. Um, so he's both his left and his right leg, right at the, you know, like imagine your shin bone. Yep. And the bone behind your shin bone, both those severed. And now a compound fracture means the bone is protruding through the skin. So he really crunched those legs. Yeah, but it's it, the weird thing is it's not necessarily indicative of a fall. Like you don't really see those injuries. Or like I, you know, I, like I've seen, I've done quite a few jumpers, and you don't necessarily see that. Like for in order for a jumper to have those type of injuries they'd most likely have to do some sort of like fucking pencil dive and land straight on their legs, which, you know what I mean? Speaking from experience, I've, I've done probably about I, roughly between eight and 10 jumpers. And I've, I've never been to a patient that's jumped and fucking pencil dive straight down. You know what I mean? They always land prone or supine, which mean like face down or face up. Like that's it. That's just how people fall. That, yeah, that's usually, you know what I mean? And like, I've had the unfortunate, um, what is luck of like watching someone fall like that too. And you know what I mean? Like watching that person, it's waving arms, waving legs, you know, prone all the way down to the ground. Yeah, here's a, here's a detailed rundown of the injuries that uh, were found in Rivera's body. Two cuts to the forehead, one, which is four inches long, fractures to the nose and jaw, four ejected teeth, fractures in the cheekbone, multiple fractures in the skull from the top of the spine to the eye sockets, resulting in a brain hemorrhage, torn neck muscles, leading to further hemorrhage, cuts and bruises on the chest, two fractures to the collarbone, 24 broken ribs, which have been punct- which punctured the heart and lungs and damaged the liver broken pelvis cuts and tears to the right groin and testicle uh many cuts and bruises on the torso in addition to the two enormous lacerations on either side uh one nine by seven inches long and the other nine by four torn skin on the front and back of the arms legs cut so badly that the muscles and tendons could be seen and the right leg is broken in two places with bone protruding through the skin jesus the weird thing for me is these these large lacerations that are described. And I think we'll get back to that a bit, but that doesn't really line up either. But anyways, so we have this multitude of injuries, which a lot of those are normal to find in a fall from a fucking, a, a large distance. 
So we know that he, you know, we, we see that there's this hole in the roof. We have Ray, we have Ray's glasses, phone, and flip-flops. Another weird thing about this, you know, this, this, this hole is only 40 inches wide. You know what I mean? Ray's a big man. Ray definitely could fall through that 40 inch hole, but you would think it would be bigger. You'd, also, you'd be tucked. the other weird things is that his glasses, his phone, and his flip-flops, well, flip-flops really aren't that important because they wouldn't really be damaged, but the phone is, other than a few scratches, is in complete working order. And they were fa- they were found on top of the garage. They weren't found inside with him. And this, this is isn't, true. I just want to add, it's even weirder because this isn't a Nokia phone. This isn't one of those old Nokia, like, fucking brick phones that are indestructible. This is like a, I can't remember. It's like a Sony or Sonya or something. What is it? It's 2005, right? We're getting yeah. a little bit more advanced in our phones. Yeah. Well, we- that was like a leading theory was like, well, it's probably one of those Nokia phones. That's why I didn't break. No, it's, it's like a shittier. It's like a Sonya or some, it's, it's not a Nokia phone, but the, his eyeglasses. Listen, it's well. not a Motorola razor. It's not a root Motorola razor. Those things were fucking made of glass. That was a good phone. That was a good phone. Love that phone. They look cool. Just, just don't drop yeah. it. So, um, the other weird thing too, is the fact that like, so the Belvedere hotel is no longer a hotel. It's been converted into apartments. There's a concierge in front. You know what I mean? Security cameras everywhere. And none of the staff reported seeing Ray that day whatsoever. No one came forward saying, oh yeah, I saw him, you know, walk through the building. You kind of glass glassing over like, so the leading theory for this is that Ray went into the Belvedere Hotel, got to the roof, and leapt to his death by suicide. Well, I wasn't getting to that just quite yet. Well, you're saying, but, but that he's not captured on any of these cameras. But that's the that's a that's the theory. Well, I didn't even get to the cameras yet either. But which is oddly enough that you brought it up is the fact that the cameras on the roof were disconnected. Yeah, I mean, if if you. You, you have to like put it together right now as there's this hole, a man-sized pencil hole through a metal roof. Like it was like a sheet metal roof By, oh. with, with like tar, like a, uh, what's that fucking type of roofing? Torch on roofing, like and with like a tin roof underneath. And so he, fe- he must have fallen to bust through that like he did from an incredible height, either from the top of the very top of the building or maybe on a ledge from a higher up like a higher window exactly that's what the theory so th- what we know right away is the fact that that parking garage that the staff members were standing on the saw them that was only 20 feet tall now the fact that he had those injuries from a 20 foot fall not a fucking chance okay listen well, well let's You'd live let's, from a 20 foot let's put that to fall. let's put that to bed right now there's no fucking way he j- leapt from that parking garage in a suicide attempt, busted through that roof and got all those injuries. Andrew has witnessed me fall from 20 feet. <laughs> 100%. Zero injuries. Guy walked away. I walked away. I, I mean, I was a little fucking hurt and I was trying to milk it. So I got the day off, but I was fine. Mind you, back in the day, this, this was like peak fat breeding. So he did look somewhat like the Michelin man. <laughs> Yeah. And when he did hit the ground, he did bounce. Like he, he hit the ground and he bounced right back up to his feet. Yeah. It was pretty remarkable. On the same point though, I also watched Braden fall three feet off a skateboard and had a broken back for years. So 
This is true. This is true. This is. He's drunk. There's no in between. He jumped on a skateboard. He fell on his side. Oh, my back. And for years, I had to listen to him complain about his back from this one fall. So it's true. You don't know. You don't know what brain you're going to get when he hits the ground. So not only were these, were the security cameras on the roof disconnected, but all the security cameras in the Belvedere on May 16th had somewhat of a malfunction and there was time periods missing. Well, and the only, and the only, and I'll say this, it, people said this, there was some cameras working, but they only recorded up to seven days and people are like, well, why wouldn't they record longer? And it's like, listen, I used to work for fucking government buildings where shit went down and they only had like, they kept three days of recordings. That's just how that's whoever came and set up the security system, set it and no one ever fucking changed it. Like, so it's like, when they're like, why would the cameras that recorded seven days be like that? I was like, honestly, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Well, you're at, we're, early, we're 2005. Like we're, was it 2005? It's probably a lot of hard drive space. Are we 05 or are we 06? Either way. 06. Hard drives uh, were much more expensive per gigabyte back then. So seven days is probably like, that's a, a lot of cameras, a lot of footage, a lot of hard drive. You, you know, you, yeah. can't, you can't save it forever. I mean, you should, but I'm, a lot of people probably do not. No, that's fair. But yes, yeah, so he's, the theory is he had jumped through this hole. He had fallen through this hole, let's say, must have been feet first, must have been, because he wouldn't have fit. Well, that's the only thing that would Yeah, he wouldn't sense. have fit sideways. Or but, head first. But, in, but that's like yeah, head first. swanton <laughs> dive. Well, I think, I, think, I think we would have seen more head damage. Yeah, I mean, all the, 100%. all the cuts and lacerations, though, like from the metal roof as he punctured through is explained probably by like the like the metal on the roof after you break right. through well, the sharp edges. Well, there was edges. metal on the roof and there also was like, there was evidence that he hit roof girders oh. going through. Like yes. there were dented girders beneath that roof that they saw that he- I didn't hear that. Yeah. Like he, little pin, like he did a little pinball. Like yeah, through the he last little bit. Yeah. So I, if you say 20 feet, but then you have to add another because he fell through the roof, hit the roof, hit the girders, went through that an additional like seven or eight feet and then and here's the thing it's from all accounts the hole from the inside looking out it looked like a way more damage because as he came through that tiny hole he blew apart what like you know i imagine it's like that fucking like you know that office space roofs and like the tr metal tracks and shit he just blew all that apart well, it's the through. same thing like you see an object that like gets punctured like a bullet or something like you see yeah. the bullet, like you see the entry is not that small, but the exit is what you're looking at. So exit wound is two times, well, like Wait. two to three times the size. All the, yeah. all the force comes exploding out the bottom or the, the exit. Yeah. So, so, so we have this hole in the wall and also Ray's toxicology report came back absolutely clean. There was no drugs, uh, legal or illegal found in his system. They did find a small amount of alcohol, but that's normal when in, in the stage of decomposition that he was in. Is he fermenting from the, the inside? Well, the Emmy said it could have been from decomposition, but they also said it could have, he had, he could have been from, it could have been remaining alcohol from if he had imbibed some during his time, it would have been, it could have been either or there was, there's no conclusion. So it could have been either or, but the medical examiner determined that he died from multiple uh, and severe injuries, injuries consistent with a fall from a height. Right. But they made no ruling as far as homicide, suicide, or accident. 
they actually declared it to be undetermined because the circumstances surrounding the incident were still so unclear. Well, the, But the Baltimore PD were ruling on the side of suicide. Now we have to look, one thing that why this case is so interesting is the placement of where the hole in the roof is to where you could have jumped from makes it. Well, let, let's start. Yeah. Like Zell, let's, let's start picking apart the official narrative and the official narrative from the police was this was a suicide. This was a man who leapt off the building to his death through this hole case closed. Yeah. So in order, like you would have to get like to get through that roof, you had to come from a, a high point. So the roof or like high balcony. So there's, here, I, I have the pictures. Let's go through the pictures first, and then we can decide what we want to talk about next. So, okay, if you're watching the live stream on Patreon, we salute you. If not, uh, go check it out. But we'll describe what's going on here. So, we're, yeah, we're on the we're at the Belvedere Hotel. Um, I'm not sure what way we're facing, but in front, there's the hole in the middle, the hotel on the right, and the parking garage is on the left. Yeah. And now from the whole, the distance from the parking garage... Too far from the top Way to where far. the hole is is you would have to be too at far a, of a drop. You have to be an Olympic long jumper just to make it, and you wouldn't have enough force to puncture right through and explode to the and roof because you'd be no, going. You would have no. you'd be going horizontal when you more horizontal than than you hit vertical. Dan wants to say something. Forensic physicist said no. Said no what? They said either either from jumping for the two prevail, prevailing theories being either he jumped from the roof. Or if he jumped from the parking garage, if he got a decent running start, he'd be, that's the, but that's the crux of the thing is like, if he would have got a decent running start from either position, he could have nailed that. So the Washington examiner actually, like they, they got, um, they got an, an engineers out to do a study on this. And it turns out that they estimated, so it was roughly 43 feet that he would have had to travel. And he would have had to get up to about 11 miles per hour to make that leap. Isn't that from which, the top though? Pardon Isn't me? that from the top of the building? I believe that's from the parking garage. I could be wrong though. Okay. Cause I thought that from the top of the building to the hole is about 45 feet horizontal and about th so 13 you, stories you're down. You're probably right then. Because from what I understood is that he would have to get up to a range of maybe like 13 miles per hour to make that leap, to make to create that hole, which is doable for an athletic person such as Ray Rivera. That's the average running speed. Like the top speed of like an adult male is 13 miles per hour. So, And he was, he was an athletic guy, not to mention 6'5". That's what I'm saying though is from the parking garage is way, way lower. I think it's only like three stories above where this hole was, where the top of the building is 13 stories above. So he had to get a good fucking speed to make that. Here, here's here's the thing. Here Before we even go, like, Zell, you work construction, I work construction. We kind of know how these things are built. We, we understand. Do you believe for a second that that kind of hole could be made from that parking garage as a, as a construction worker? Do you think there's a chance of that? I'd have to really look at like the, the design of that roof, but you would need a, like a lot of momentum to puncture through it. So if the parking garage, if you're only dropping 20 feet, if you're dropping 20 feet down and 20 feet over, it doesn't seem like enough. But if you're jumping, if you're, let's not say jumping, let's say if you're falling from that top of, of the building at like 13 stories above, by the time you get the momentum, that makes more sense to me that you could puncture through from the very top of the building than from only a few stories above 
and 20 feet out from the parking garage. I, I agree with that too. And like, it's, you know what I mean? Like there was a lot of questions being like, how could somebody gather that speed and flip flops? Like that doesn't make sense. I know me and Braden were talking about that. Um, which also led me to believe, like I, I had a thought because, you know, as somebody who wears fucking flip flops until the, until the snow falls, right? Like I'll push the fucking <laughs> limits. It's, this I is do. true. This is true. Andrew's yeah. in flip flops 24 seven. I've seen people run so, really fast in flip flops. But not only that, though, like if I have to run really fucking fast, you know what I do is I take my fucking flip flops off and I put them on my hands and I run barefoot, which would make sense why the fucking flip flops are where they were. You know what? That's Andrew. I really like that because before in my head, I thought this guy was running in flip flops, which shouldn't make sense because anytime I run in flip flops, I get a natural like foot grip on the flip flops. And if I'm diving in a pencil dive from that roof, I just don't see them coming off my feet if I'm in a pencil dive. But now if you put them on my hands and I'm falling like this, the wind just pulls them right off my fucking hands and then they fall on top of the roof. I like that. I didn't even think of that. No, No, I just, because like as somebody who wears flip-flops, that's what made sense to me. If I needed to get as much speed to clear that fucking distance... And like, again, also there's a lot of reports of the fact that Ray Rivera was terrified of heights, like didn't want to climb a ladder to put up fucking Christmas lights, like shit in his pants and like throw back to our Mexico vacation where we wanted to draw, we wanted to fucking jump off. What the fuck were those things called? Again? Cenotes. 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 So we were jumping into Cenotes. I fucking hate heights. I'm not a big fan. The only fucking way I jumped in that cenote was not by looking off the fucking edge and jumping in was taking a fucking hundred yard fucking sprint and running the fuck off that thing. <laughs> that's true. You know what I mean? Like that's the only way I could get off. I almost fucking hit that fucking rope they had. Cause I made it so far. Okay, let's uh, let's continue with where uh, the, the hotel and positions are jumping here. So Another picture here of the hotel. You can see the parking garage in the front and the hotel in the back and where the hole is. And you can see how high the actual top of the roof is here. So what they're saying, I think here I can just move. He would have to clear 40 feet from that roof. What if he, 45 feet. What if he jumped from that ledge? You know what I mean? Not the the top of the fucking Belvedere, but that little ledge, like Zell, can you bring that fucking picture back up? I'm going to get to that one. one? I'm going to get to that one right after this one. So this is the one where they... it seems to be the most plausible. He'd sprint, jump off the edge, soar through the air, pencil dive, hit the roof, and the rest we know now know. But yes, if you go, so there's a couple other spots. You can, if you're looking at the hotel, there's a ledge looks to be about like the entire ridge line. So the, it would be the penthouse of this place. There's a, a ledge like that goes all the way around the building. Which looks doable. Which looks doable, except you can only get to this ledge through a residence. Because these are all condos now, right? You can only get there. You have to go through someone's property or someone has to let you in and go through there. There's no, as far as the investigation goes, no hallway entrance. Like, there's no window you can get out from the hallway to the ledge. I'd imagine, too, like those edges, like this building was built in, what, 1903, Dan? Yeah. But here's the other, you know what I mean? You, you, you'd have to be somewhat fucking, you'd have to be pretty agile to be able to like fucking Spider-Man your ass through a window no. onto that little ledge and I make it all the way d- over I there. disagree. This is, I think, I think the jump is possible from the 11th floor ledge. Forget coming out of a window. It's determined that you can get to the roof. 
If you can get to the roof, you can slide down oh my that little God. fucking roof. That's not a little roof, though. It's not a little you don't roof. Don't think so? Look at the size I'm of that. That makes a little more sense. See, look at the look at the peak of the roof. Look at look at a window. Look at one story. That roof is three stories above that ledge. You have that's a fucking ballsy. So yeah, you probably could. Yeah, but if you you could probably you could probably cascade down to the top of the window so steep. and then climb your way down. <laughs> look how steep it is, though, Braden. Look on the left of that picture. Look yeah, how, it is it's, pretty. It is pretty steep. Spider Braden, dude. It's like yeah. eighty-five degrees. It's almost vertical. Yeah, but yes, happening. you could. I guess in you could get. It's still. It's still. Ha having said this, okay, we we've. Like we're we're thinking that the the jump doesn't make sense from the no. from the parking garage. It doesn't make sense from the the absolute roof. The other thing we've kind of determined the the flip flop things. But the fact is that like if I lob your phone off of either one of those ledges we're talking about, or your fucking glasses you're wearing, Dan Andrew, those they're broken. Yeah, I can't argue with you there. I can't. And well, they said they were mostly scratched. They didn't say that they were broken. If they fell from the parking garage, it wouldn't necessarily be broken. The, we're basically talking about the fact that this hole and these jumps and none of this makes fucking sense and seems super bizarre. And if it happened, it just, I don't know, just seems super fucking weird. Dude, so right away, right away with this one, you know, the police, the Baltimore police come and they're like, they say to Alice and the family, like, hey, listen, we're terribly sorry. Uh, Ray committed suicide. And basically everyone is like, nah, that doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. Like he jumped from the top. He cleared 45 feet in a running jump because the official police report is that he ran from the top of the Belvedere Hotel that we talked, <laughs> leapt made 45 feet pencil dive through the roof and died suicide. And that's the only way it yep. happened. That's, that's the, the only, only way it possibly happened. And according right to of, three dummies on a podcast, not including Dan. Yeah. But the family, Allison and everyone else is the angel. Everyone goes, this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Cause he wasn't suicidal. He was happy by all accounts. And it just doesn't make mm, sense that someone could make that jump. Uh, I, so you kind of got onto a little something here and I don't want to touch too much on it now, but it is touch it, Andrew. really touch common. It. It, I'm going to touch it. Touch it. It's really common for families of a potential suicide victim to be in certain stages of denial and to make excuses and say, ah, oh, there's no chance. He was happy that this, this doesn't make sense. You know, that, that is an extremely common theme. Yes. And we know that it is possible to make this jump, right? We, it is, it's humanly possible to make the 45 feet at a full sprint adult male. You can do it. But the thing is getting to the roof is not accessible by the public. You'd have to know how to get there or have a key or have someone show you up to the roof. As far as I could tell, it's not like it just, you your just, cell phone would be broken. You would think like in your this situation, like would be broken. Well, yeah, it's just, it's weird. It's fucking weird. Could it have happened? Definitely. Could have happened. But it's like, what are the, what is the percentage of this being able to happen as it did? You know what I mean? Like, it just seems so fucking, it seems so rare. But the, the craziest part about this is this isn't the weirdest part of this fucking case. Let's break it open. This isn't the weirdest part. 
Shit gets even fucking weirder when Angel, his brother, and Allison decide to rip through the house to see if they're, okay, you know what? There's Maybe there's some clues. Maybe there's a suicide note. Maybe there's something that would give us, you know, shed a little light on the situation. And they discover a bizarre, impossibly cryptid note that's been taped on the back of Ray's computer in his office. And and the the other weird thing is they know this note was made the day he disappeared because there was the clippings from where Ray had cut it out in the trash. I, yeah, I you know what? I don't know about that for sure. I think Allison assumes that that's the case. Okay, but it could be like, a couple days earlier. Monitor, it could be a couple days earlier. Did she earlier. monitor the shit that goes into the garbage every day? Like, all right. that's, to me, when every time I read that, I'm like, that's kind of weird. All right, let's make a stretch. Let's make a stretch. Garbage days once a week. Dan, is that pretty common for the states as well? Garbage days once a week. Yep. Okay, so let's say that those clippings that match that note are no more than a week old. Well, do they recycle? Maybe recycling happens every two Maybe weeks. Maybe he's one of those people that don't change the no, garbage for week. months at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but so either anyways, way. we have this, we have this bizarre, you know, note that's been taped to the back of the computer. It's cut in a really weird way. It doesn't make sense. It's folded. And Allison supposed that it was placed there the day he disappeared. Uh, the note also was found alongside a blank check from his video production company. Weird. Super weird. Now, that's not even the weirdest part. This fucking note is the most biz- one of the most bizarre things I've ever fucking read in my entire life. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense. There's There are a few things we can pull from it, though. You know what I mean? Like, the first little bit of the note, you know, starts off, brothers and sisters, right now, around the world, volcanoes are erupting. What an awesome sight. What? Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? And I guess Allison right away, like, typed that into Google to be like, what the fuck does this mean? And it comes back as a Masonic phrase that's commonly fucking said, right? Like, super bizarre. We know that he's already, he's getting masonry for dummies. He's getting, he's raiding the builders. He's into the, he's into masonry. You know what I mean? So he's going down this rabbit hole. So along with the Masonic fucking phrases and shit that are all over this note, like you guys, the only way, like you guys got to look this up. You got to read it. We keep, we're not going to do it justice. Yeah. It's so fucking yeah. long and so bizarre that we're not even, like we can't even begin he, to get into He it. basically lists all of his friends and acquaintances, has little notes beside them. He does a list of movies um, stuff like Eyes Wide Shut, National Treasure, Da JPEG, Vinci Code, Invisalign, Robots. Uh, just I will all say the same month that May, when he died, the Da Vinci Code movie came out. Yeah, but that that's just one of the films that's on this list. How many films are listed in that note? Yeah, he also. I know, but all a lot of those films have that same kind of like Dan Brown esque. Like well, the they have society. a lot to do with secret yes. societies. Uh, National Treasure, right? A Nick Cage classic. Uh, the Family Man, Demon Days, November Rain, Eyes Wide Shut, which is a Star Wars one movie. to three. Yeah, he said Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, though. Also, so I don't know. <laughs> Fight Club Seven, uh, the game, the game specifically. That one popped up for me because, um, you know, there's a 
we can get into that right now, but like people are draw a lot of parallels to that, that he lists that movie. Uh, and you know, if anyone knows the game, great Michael Douglas film, it's a fucking phenomenal watch Is it? at the end of the game. Spoiler alert at the end. This guy is so frustrated with, um, with the game, with the game. <laughs> yeah. He jumps from a roof to escape, like escape. Uh, and it turns out to be all part of the game, but it's very similar to the situation that Ray's in. You know what I mean? Like this guy starts at a brand new company, a financial company. You know what I mean? He had a very similar upbringing that Ray had, you know what I mean? And the fact that the guy at the end of the movie makes a leap supposedly to his death. You know what I mean? It's fucking eerie. So, so one of the theories is he's playing out, he's maybe gone a little mentally ill and he's playing out this movie. Potentially, what? because at the end of that movie, Michael Douglas Wait, so jumps this, to this his death. This movie is on the list of movies that he has a bunch of other list of other list of movies as well, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, so he, he also mentions, of- but listen, he also mentions the fact he's like, "We've played the game. I've played the game well." Fucking uh, Porter Stansfield, you know, won the game. He mentions the game frequently throughout this letter. It's not just like and the game with a month amongst another a bunch of different movies. He does. He kind of quotes weird lines from the movie with throughout the note, which draws people attention, which is why they think that maybe his death is something, some sort of play on that, on the movie, the game. Um, but that would lead into mental illness. We do need to, to note the fact that like Michael Douglas's character does leap to his death, but ends up like landing on a fucking cushion and lives because it's part of the game because it's part of the game. Yeah. But he doesn't know that Michael Douglas leaps expecting to die and doesn't like it's you'd have to watch the movie to see so if someone was having a mental illness and they were obsessed with that kind of movie and they did that kind of leap again the leap doesn't make sense with the phone the glasses to me he also the weird thing too is the the one where he asks the he asks the council because this is addressed to the council that a certain amount of friends What's wrong? Strong. Un- unbelievable. My recording stopped. When? Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> Skype audio for Braden. Okay. Are we, should I keep talking or do we stop and let you figure that out? What does it say on the time code? 86. Two, I just punched back in. That's, so two, that's whatever. two minutes ago. So I'll make it work. All right. I okay, just stopped so, it. Uh, the other weird thing for me is the fact that he asks to make a certain like people that he lists five years younger. What? Yeah. Yeah. Super weird. Like to me, that sounds like some type of code, some type of like, you know what I mean? Cryptic fucking weird shit. Like why, why would you pick five years? Just, it's just random. That's weird. But anyway, so go ahead, Dan said, why not? Well, why would you ask to be a little bit younger? Like five years? That's it. It's a nice, prime number it's it is strange (laughs) a stranger aspect that i'd like to get into is that his best friend porter stansfield when he gets when he disappears and people don't know where he is um he offers a thousand dollars reward out of company money then he ups it to five thousand i believe yep uh then the they find him you know they find ray and 
almost immediately, uh, Porter Stansfield and the Stansfield Research Group, whatever the company was named at the time, basically gives a memo to all staff that they are not to participate, talk to, or give any information to any law enforcement or legal authority, um, and they lawyer up. Have we and been saying, hold on, stop, sorry to interrupt, but have we <laughs> been saying Stansfield? Because it's Stansberry. Stansbury. I, I think I just said Stansfield. Oh, okay, I just want to make sure. Stansbury. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, Stansbury. And then he basically lawyers up and basically gag orders everyone in the company. Strange. Now, very, very strange that like your best friend, you're offering a reward and when they find him and they have more questions because they have more questions because they determined that the call that Ray received that night at his house where he goes, oh shit, and he rushes out, that call is from his work. They don't know where in Stan in Stansbury research it came from because it came through a switchboard, but they know it came from the work. And that's what, so obviously that call came through. He said, oh shit and left. So just to clarify, to clarify that switchboard that they're talking about is the switchboard for Stansbury and a number of other s subsidiaries. And the sub one of the subsidiaries that, Ray was working with, it's not necessarily the Stansbury and associates because all those people were away that week. Like that yeah, whole that team being that said, were, were gone. It, don't you think it's a little peculiar that he phoned that number and his best friend works there? No, he called when he called him about that. When you, when you said, yeah, Hey, I figured it all out. Like, uh, Stansbury made a statement about that. Yeah, yeah, he, he says state. he says he's, he's like it didn't make sense to me. It was weird. I didn't I didn't know what he was talking. He he says in like both in a statement and I think a I'm just seeing this articles and they say he had no idea what he was talking about. He now and, the, and people are going to say this. Recently, the Stansbury group has come out and said like, "Hey, the unexplained uh, mysteries show. I, they lied. This is not true. We didn't do any of that." But they had actually filed a cease and desist order on the Unexplained Mysteries before it came out to try to stop the production. But because Unexplained Mysteries had already lawyered up and made sure that everything they were saying was true, they didn't have a leg to stand on. So the episode aired as as is with, with all that information, including the one that the Stansbury group ordered a gag order to all the employees. So they can come out now and say whatever the fuck they want but like at the time it was found to be factually true that they ordered a gag order on employees. And they I couldn't imagine put, they didn't put a gag order. That is what, that is what the detective reported. And that's what he told Allison, but Stansbury associates, well, whatever you can believe them or him. But if you were running a multi-million dollar, close to billion dollar company, would you want your employees like spouting off like un unbased rumors? If my so, best friend like, died, I, I, when I got it, when I got into like the, the whole background of Stansberry and associates, like they are a shady company because they're one of those companies that they don't produce anything. 
Like they they don't necessarily sell anything. They don't make anything. They're selling stock predictions pretty much. They, yeah, they sell stock predictions and there's a lot of people who have gone up, you know, they're, they're probably in constant litigation with a lot of people. Uh, you know, they've been under investigation the by SEC the SEC. has been up their fucking ass multiple right, times. Which as they should be because uh, a couple of shady things have gone down in their, in their past before Ray had even joined the company. But... That being said, well, that's why I actually like, we understand that Ray was brought into was the reason why Ray was brought in was to try and clean up their fucking reputation a bit through that nez- newsletter. I think they changed their name to do that because it used they to be did. like the the SEC was investigating it was it Pirate Investment Group that was run yes. by them, mm-hmm. and then then they changed their name to Stansberry. So that I don't think they necessarily needed Ray. The for, S- for SEC that. found. Um, the original company and Porter Stansbury like guilty and charged them $1.5 million and they tried to appeal it and it was, the appeal was rejected. So they were found guilty of like defrauding people and giving false statements. What the case specifically, what the case was addressing was a issue where either it was either Stansbury or one of the major uh, like major supervisors or the the kind of heads of the of the group uh, made this circulated this newsletter where they essentially they said I know the next big company that is going to go through the roof stock wise investment wise if you want the name of that company I've got the information and for five thousand dollars you can get that information yeah and then which is they gave illegal. out that information yeah and it's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> but they gave out that information. They gave out that information that stock didn't do well. And then people wanted their money back. And then that was, that was what that whole lawsuit is about. And I think it actually still is in litigation to this day. So either, so either way they, you know, there are some claims that there was a potential gag or for what I read that the police uh, actually stated that the fact that basically this guy was five lawyers deep. And this is the Myrtle capital of fucking the United States of America. And they're stretch and they're stretch completely thin. The murder capital that's based on other stuff. That's not like corporate. Like that's not, I, I, yeah, I don't think that's a mischaracterization. Yeah. But the police, so basically the police could force him through a subpoena, but Baltimore police were already fucking completely stretched thin. So they decided not to. That's what I read. Either way, this is this guy, one of his best friends. And he, who's like, who's not working with police, and he's not cooperating with police. Let's 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 leave it with that. He did do an interview in 2006. He did interview with the police, but no one else from that company interviewed with police. Why would they interview him when none of them had? They fucking could because people, yeah, no, because people that were employed under him found the fucking body. They're the ones that found the fucking hole in the ground and the flip flops and the glasses and the fucking camera or the phone. They had worked with him, but. Ray was also working freelancing for them for what, like five months. He yeah, hadn't actually been in the office. Yeah. But like, they're the people that fucking stumble upon this fucking hole in the wall. They're the ones that broke this fucking situation loose. And then they got put under a fucking gag, a potential Those two people gag specifically three of them. Those three of them specifically. That's what it said. Well, even the deti- like they're employed, said they're, they're, un- like, they're employed they- under fucking Stansfield and Associates or well, Stansbury right. and, and Associates. Stansfield and Associates made a statement where they said, we're going to direct you to our PR department because that's you're going to we're going to that's because what that's what you do as a business. Well, and <laughs> it's weird because like so he, they talked like, you know, you talk to Angel and Allison and then they're like. 
Porter wouldn't even talk to them afterwards. And then like in subsequent interviews with Porter, he's like, well, what do I have to talk about? It's an open shut clay suicide. It's like, well, he didn't even attend the guys. He, he, he went to their wedding. I need a private fucking helicopter, but he wouldn't attend either one of the fucking memorial services. It's your, child, it's, it's your childhood best friend. I would ask you to put yourself in Stansberry's shoes. Easy. Sure. He invited Ray to come out there. He also knew that Ray was not happy out there. Do you not think that for some reason that he felt partly responsible for the death of Ray Rivera? And perhaps there's many people process grief in many different ways. And do you think that maybe he processes grief and, and I mean, somebody who is, uh, you know, in a selfish fucking way and decides to not talk Perhaps to his fucking widow or anything like that. Perhaps like, he has narcissistic, narcissistic tendencies or something. He feels these, these things as superiority, but maybe that's how he processes grief as way to distance himself from people. Like, sure. Um, okay. We, we got it. We, we're going to go forever here. So bottom line is this has happened. There's not a lot of cooperation going on between like it's not a murder trial, so they can't like grand jury and all that stuff. So it's, there's no, that's kind of a dead end that way. Right. There's no, you can't get these yeah. people to talk. So like, what are you going to do? What else weird about, about this case? Can we go on? Well, uh, I have a theory. Lay it on us. I kind of read a little bit of it and it, it, I was like, okay, it made some sense to me. Um, one of the weird things about this is that Allison says, you know, we talked earlier about Ray taking out a $15,000 credit card advance. And that was determined by the FBI or investigators that like he had this $15,000 loan for production gear. Yeah. Well, Allison was like, well, I paid for that. I paid for that gear and she had the receipts to prove it. She had the receipts for the same $15,000 that investigators said that he had taken a $15,000 loan for. So there was a mysterious 15,000 loan where they weren't really sure. Now I'm not sure if I, this was a theory I had read online. I kind of, I liked it that because the thing that don't add up for me is the glasses and the cell phone coming from the roof of the Belvedere. It just seems like there's not enough damage for those things to have come from the rooftop landed on the roof undamaged it seems ludicrous to me uh in this theory on reddit it says that he was lured maybe lured to uh, the parking lot the parking garage um by either loan sharks uh because he he lo- owed a lot of money and maybe that's what he was talking to porter about when he was saying like oh i figured it all out he was talking about like some you know some bad debts he's taken out um but someone had hit ray with a with a car had driven into him. Um, and the theory wasn't sure whether or not he was hit with such force that it from the top floor of the parking garage that it launched him onto the roof and through the roof. How he, you know, we could argue how he gets in the small hole after. Um, it might explain the broken f- tibs and fibs. Well, I like I'll interject really quick that that is an extremely common injury with uh pedestrian struck fucking accidents, right? Because you look like if you're hit by a car, that's the perfect fucking height to damage your tib and fib. Yeah. And we see that quite often in in fucking ped struck accidents. 
Especially the fact that it's a compound fucking fracture. Okay, as far as far as I understand. But let me finish. Let me finish. So he either gets launched or thrown off the top of the parking garage. Now, because he was hit with a car, all the other items were. If he's like me, I always, if I'm walking around, I should have my cell phone in my hand. Maybe that stuff was strewn. All that other stuff is tossed off the parking garage onto the roof, which is 20 feet down. If you're telling me, like, to be honest, a 20 foot fall for a phone and glasses to be okay is much more believable than a 13 story fall. So that stuff gets chucked over as an afterthought. Ray's already through the hole. He's fallen through. Let's say it's a weaker roof. That's why he punches through so easy. The other stuff is just, you know, fucking tossed overhand over onto the lower roof. What about the other multitude of injuries, though? Well, but that could be come from falling from the 20 Th- feet. But that's only 20 feet. Like we talked about that already. I don't yeah. also smacking through a couple of girders and then an additional eight feet. Like I don't, don't you fractured pelvis, fractured fucking every single rib in his body, punctured lungs. I don't see that from a 20 foot fall. Buddy, personally. maybe the guy didn't drink milk. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's fucking had arthritis or osteoporosis. Right? That would osteo. make more sense. So that, that was what I thought that like maybe he had gotten into some bad debt and dealt with some bad people. And because even uh, what's her name? Makita in her book, she says that on the night he was died, please say that like, oh, they, they didn't get a hold of anyone. No one saw or heard anything. But she actually wrote in her diary that they heard a big crash and it kind of rattled the window and that she thought it was a car crash. And what better car crash than if a car was smacking into a person and then into the barricade of the parking garage right beside? Because she describes it as a car crash. Like she's like, I thought it was a car crash. How did the car would have launched him over the barricade in 20 feet? Yeah, that, that's what I don't understand. For me, that that's the hard part. Yeah, there would be a lot of questions with that theory where it's like, were there skid marks? You would have seen skid marks, obvious skid marks of him hitting him. Uh, he, he wouldn't have got him through the barricade in the top of the parking garage because that would have been at least waist high. It's at least waist high. Wow, he's six foot five. I doubt it's waist high for him. But still. but even then, if it, if he would have hit that, if he would have hit that, I don't think he would have made it over. Hit it was, he wouldn't have made it. I over personally that don't far. think like the thing, I, like I, I don't see it. Also, also, sorry. Also, if you're a loan shark, number one rule is you don't kill your people who owe you money. You're not going to get your money back. You don't get your money ever. Back. Dead people don't fucking pay debts. Also, why would you throw the phone over there as an afterthought? Why would you not just take the phone? Cause you're like, well, maybe that could be evidence for later. Like if you, if, if this were like some sort of, you know, there is a theory floating around there that he was, you know, somebody hired a hitman to kill him is the most incompetent hitman in the world. No, I, I, or the I best he died. The, he did his job. Did his, I don't think there's any incompetence. And there. it's unsolved. Yeah, but there, there are plenty. Okay. Now that's a fucking job. Well Baltimore, done. There are lots, there are a lot better ways to kill a person than to throw them off. Yeah. Earth. But you also killed a person and didn't get caught. So that's pretty fucking good. But there are, <laughs> but there are, would be, it raises too many. This, this, the fact that it got publicized. Dan, what if you wanted to send a message? To a dead guy? To who? Yeah, maybe you did. We don't know. We have no idea. We, we have no idea behind this motive. Maybe they wanted people we to find no the body. We have no idea if there actually was a motive. Pardon me? There's no idea if there actually well, was I a motive. I agree, but we're, we're saying that potentially 
if they wanted to leave the body for a reason, because he could have killed him anywhere and fucking got rid of the body. So obviously they wanted people to find the body. What about, uh, what about the fact that he was, maybe he was looking too deep into the Masons. Well, and that's a really good point, Braden, because like, you know what I mean? You look into the Masons they, and everybody can say, oh, I got a cousin or an uncle or a fuck, whatever. That's part of the Masons. Someone knows someone in the Masons everywhere. But from like in their core ideologies, the fact like they're, they're pretty much similar to the fight club, right? Everybody knows cardinal rule is whatever they write secrets, whatever the shit, don't talk about it. You know, don't talk about fight club. Don't talk about the Masons. Same type of shit. Except there's a book. There's a book called Masons for Jummies. So someone's somebody's spoiling, but that, that's the, the most part like that. That's, you know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? They don't want people to know. Maybe, the, maybe he's part of a, you know, like he, you know, he's in the financial industry. Maybe this is a fucking pretty high up chapter of the Masons. Right. Some, some infiltrating top exactly. end 33rd degree Masons. And this, we know what this guy wants to do for a living. What the fuck else would push this guy to the top other than fucking infiltrating some type of mysterious organization and fucking, you know, making some type of film on it and breaking some of these secrets. You know what I mean? Like, look at, we all saw the fucking movie, the skulls. Maybe that's what he was trying to do. Maybe he was trying to infiltrate the secret organization, potentially the Masons, or maybe he was just using the Masons to read up on secret organizations. We don't know. You know, maybe that blank check was his initiation fee for the secret organization, potentially and, the Masons. And they found out about it, so they tossed him. They fucking tossed him. Maybe they were talking to him about his movie project shooting on top of the Belvedere. Maybe that's why he didn't have movie, like, film equipment in his car. He took it to the top. <laughs> they were part. They were up there. They tossed him. Then they just stole the equipment and they left. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. Totally. I like for me, I like to think that maybe, maybe this was part of it. Maybe Stan Stansberry was trying to bring him into the secret organization, potentially the Masons and get him to be part of it. Is Stansberry a Mason? We don't, we don't know. know. We don't know. You're not supposed to talk about well, it. You would know. You're not. Why? Why would you know? Uh, because it would be in his background. Like he would probably put it on his resume or How something. How do you know like, that though? Like he would be on there. How do you know? You don't know. I have a, well, I I have a couple a whole bunch of shit about that. It could be like the fucking Stansberry and Associates hired a CIA guy for three, for two months to write a fucking newsletter. And then they came out and maybe, oh, uh, they had that guy go kill fucking Ray Rivera. Like, I what? like that. Yeah. But what do you like? Makes, what, that makes a lot of sense here. Maybe Ray Rivera was part of MK ultra. Maybe that's why he was acting radically and crazy. Okay. I'll bring it. I'll bring it a little bit back into ground, a little grounded, a little more grounded. So we don't know how he got to the roof. There's no one claimed in the hotel that they've seen him. No, there's no, if he jumped from the roof, I'm just, I'm saying yes, but let, let's let me finish Dan. So the, the main theory is to make that big of a hole and have that much damage, it would make more sense for him to run and jump from the very top. Makes more sense than jumping a long, a long jump from the parkade, which is only a few stories above the other roof. So if we go with that theory, no one's seen him get to the roof, getting to the roof is not, for the public, number one, there's no guardrails up there on that old school roof. You wouldn't, liability-wise, you couldn't have anyone up there. You'd have to have the fucking door locked. So if there's no one seen him go up there, no one witnessed him, there's no security footage, we assume he got up there, let's say, or there is other theories floating on the internet, is maybe he knew too, something too much about his buddy's company, and there's this is where it goes crazy. I'm going to say it. Maybe 
he didn't, there's no theory of, or no footage of him going to the roof or no one seeing him go to the roof because he didn't go to the roof. He was chucked from a chopper. Yeah, see, now I've seen that theory too. And that kind of makes sense. Rather, he was like fucking bound. You know what I mean? So which would kind of make sense for the pencil dive, right? But like, I just don't understand. Why would they, why would they want to leave the body for everybody to see? Maybe it was a message, like you said. Potentially. They could have just dumped him in the fucking harbor, though. Baltimore is covered by, like, air traffic control. Like, that helicopter would have to I have don't, clearance to go I don't there. know about that, Dan. Like, I did a little bit of research on that. With helicopters, don't have to abide by the same rules that planes do. They don't have to. If they, if they went through Baltimore, yes, like, over a populated city. And the people who I don't know would have been that. living in the Belvedere at that time probably would have noticed a low-flying helicopter. Yeah, but how often do they hear point. those noises? How low would it have to be? Shit like that. It's a right? big city. How low would it have to be? That's that, also a Yeah, thing. but I'm saying it would be that strange to hear a chopper flying above. Like there's probably, you got news, you got news, uh, news channels, you got police choppers, you, who knows? You got ambulance chop, like it could be like, there's probably choppers going in a big yes, city like that. You would, you would have to be like, there was a helicopter out there that day. And then it would not take a lot of investigation I think it would be, to find out I, where a helicopter had been. I think day. it would be more rare for a helicopter not to fly over a fucking busy area like that than for a helicopter to go over and for you to take note of it. I'm just saying maybe they didn't they didn't go that route. This is a theory that sp- popped up many years later. Maybe yeah. if they would have went that route and they would have found all those records, maybe they would have found a little more. I know that same theory you're talking about, Zell, because it, it goes into depth that like um, his friend Porter flew a private helicopter that he owns to Ray's wedding. Yeah, but right. I, I heard that so, too. So, and that makes sense. So you need a pilot. You would still need one or two people in the helicopter. Exactly. Like, like it is, that, it's that's not a, it's not a good way to kill somebody. Listen, <laughs> no. he's, he's not, he's not a supervillain. He's not, he doesn't have a Thanos copter. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have the ability to fucking, mm. ha- and especially at this time, like, and then why, I, yeah, why I, drop he, him through the, why drop him through the roof of the Belvedere hotel, which is right across the street from Stansbury and associates. Why not drop him out in the Chesapeake Bay, which is right next to Baltimore. The Baltimore is on just Chesapeake Bay. You could drop him in the water knowing full well that Ray Rivera it had an affinity for water. He was a swimmer. He was a water polo guy. Wouldn't it make more sense for him to drown than to jump from a great height when he was obviously, and it was well known that he was scared of heights. Well, it potentially makes you think that maybe they wanted you to find his body because I don't know if they would have found his body eventually. The other thing is let's get into um, what's Makita's name. Who wrote the book? Makita uh, Barcroft. Barcroft. Makita was her last Both name. Her- both her and Alliston, Al- Makita wrote a book on this extensively about this and her dogs, uh, according to Dan. Uh, and, you know, oh, sorry, she, Makita Brotman. Makita Brotman. Uh, she and Allison both numerous times had been warned that if they dig too deep into this, they should just be careful who they talk to and where they talk to people. Who warned them that, though? Who said that? Just numerous reporters. Um, police and just people like that. They had information about it's this. Funny case. that you say that because there was a lot of police apparently that were part of the Masons on this case, but 
But a num also a large number of a disproportionate amount of police are part of the Freemasons. It, this, convenient. This is very accurate. Convenient. Very accurate. <laughs> it's a, um, why? Because how it's like convenient, it's a fraternal order. Dan? If you're part of the police, which is also considered a type of fraternity, then why would you not be part of the Freemasons as well? Um, I don't know. I'm part of a fraternity and we, I'm not part of the Freemasons. Why don't we get into... You've never applied. Maybe I could. I don't know. It's just yeah, not something you, that fucking is attractive What fraternity are you part of, Andrew? Huh? What a fraternity are you part of? Maybe it's like Fight Club. I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get into final thoughts of what happened... Um, well, why don't we just get into final thoughts? I forgot whatever I was I going I fucking still have... I got a shit ton of... <laughs> Theories Let's hear here. it. Let's you hear guys it. should cut me short on my fucking Mason's no. conspiracy. You fucked nope. me on that one, Dan. You fucked me on my fucking Stansberry theory. What do you mean fucked you? you? Fucked I just said me. like these, these are the actual you, evidence. You of interjected like, and you went on a Dan rant for 45 minutes and it's lost. It's gone with the fucking <laughs> wind. It's gone. Must have not been that important. Apparently then. not because only things you say are important. That's sometimes. <laughs> so. Okay. Let's get into what we actually think. Yeah. Who wants to go so first? Let's mute Dan real quick. And then... Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just going to be yelling, fucking <laughs> waving his arms. <laughs> um, I don't think... I don't think this guy killed himself. Um, I think he had made some poor investment decisions. Um, and maybe got intertwined with the wrong group of people. Um, and the reason I say that is because if you're going to kill yourself, I just can't imagine you're just crushing bags of chips and you get a phone call and you go, Oh shit. Oh shit. You run out of your house. You run back in to grab something. You run out. And then while you're out, you're like, you just, I'm like, you know what? <sighs> Fuck it. I'm just going to kill myself now. Like to me, uh, as someone who's never killed themselves, it just doesn't make sense to me. But what happens if because you're what happens if you're suffering from the from the Truman Show delusion? Well, see, I just I still I still think that I still think there's some more nefarious things, and I think we can all agree that the police investigation into this matter was nothing slight of atrocious. Um, they basically used this crime scene as a teaching ground. They were having cadets walk through, look at the body, pick up evidence. They didn't preserve the crime scene in the slightest. And then they left it. They didn't have it taped, nothing. People could walk through it. There was like, there was barely anything done to preser preserve any evidence from this to make sure that like any further investigation would get done. They were so open and shut with, this is a suicide Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Um, but there, there's a lot of things that don't add up. And for me, it's the cell phone and the glasses on the roof. It's the mysterious $15,000 loan for the same shit that Allison had already paid for on her credit card. Um, and then the weird, like paranoid behavior leading up to his death um, with the alarms going off, what I think had happened, what always popped into the front of my head is that he got a call, um, from someone saying we have Allison here, come here now and bring this, uh, bring money, bring whatever. And they lured him there. And the one reason I say that is because 
the one thing that has never been found is that Ray always carried this special money clip with him. It was kind of like his thing that Allison had bought him. He always had it on him. He always had cash on him. And that money clip has never been recovered. I don't know. Like right. I, so, I, people lose shit all the time on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Like I, for me, like the thing that stands out, what you just said was the paranoia. Now I totally want to believe that there was something deep and mischievous and dark and scary that was involved in this. But like for me, the biggest thing was the fact his behavior in the last week of his life. Okay. That, that sudden shift in his personality. And then that fucking letter, when I read that letter as someone who's dealt with paranoid schizophrenics in my past, like that's, that's exactly what that screamed to me. These delusions of grandeur, comparing himself with other famous people and these actors and M night Shyamalan, you know what I mean? Like I just, it just oozed with mental illness to me. And that's unfortunately where I kind of, I'm stuck. That's where I see it. I think, I think Ray Rivera was an, was an unfortunate victim of paranoid schizophrenia and he took his own life. I want to believe that there's something more to it. And there's so much to this case file that leads me to think that I'm probably wrong because there's so many loose ends. But at the same time, I just, that's, I don't know. I just keep coming back to that. Could have been the Truman Show delusion. Did he think he was in the game, the movie that he was obsessed with? Was he going down the Mason, the Mason rabbit hole, like a motherfucker and got all Heath Ledger preparing for this fucking film and went crazy potentially. That's, that's kind of where I'm leaning personally. So you're saying that the mental illness led to his inevitable suicide, but so maybe he did jump from parking garage because there's no way to get to the roof. Really? I think that he jumped from the ledge personally. I think he found a way. I think he's resourceful. I think I think we're giving too much credence to the fact that people would have been alarmed by a person they didn't recognize because how many fucking rooms are in that building? How many occupants were there? How many boyfriends were staying with them? How many cousins, uncles, you know what I mean? Like you could have walked in and been like, Hey, guess what? I'm staying with fucking Johnny over there. Uh, I need to get in and he gets in, you know what I mean? Like maybe it was a back door that he got in. Like I just, we're giving too much credence to the fact that the, the bellhop at the front door wouldn't recognize him and not let him in. He would, he would be an outlier for schizophrenia because for, for men, the onset is what? 18 to 25. Yeah. But that's where after that, that's where for me, when angel got so concerned about his whereabouts and here's another thing that I thought about, you know, that note we saw a good, I don't know if Zell can bring it up, but we saw a good, a good picture of that note. And one of the most bizarre things to me with that note was the fact that there was a piece missing of it. Maybe Allison read that note and there was an inscription on that note that was the part where he admits the fact that he wants to take his own life and it was a suicide note. And maybe she was the one that cut that out. Oh, you know what? That's a good point. Dan, in the States, how does life insurance work? He wouldn't have got it. There would have been a suicide clause. There's usually a suicide thing where it's like, you're not going to get it. She, she had, she had $90,000 in, in debt. debt under her name Due to that him. was bought by him. Due you're to not f- going to get it. Uh, in the military, in the United States Navy, when I was in there, you get like a hundred grand 
life insurance policy issued out to whoever, you know, whoever your beneficiary is. But if it's ruled suicide, they don't get it. I, I had a, I worked with somebody, I worked with somebody and they committed suicide and their family didn't get any of it. Now, Dan, here's another question. This is interesting now for me. Um, if it was ruled undetermined by the medical examiner, would that tie things up? If the police report, if the police deemed it suicide and the medical examiner did undecided, do you think that would insurance would fucking take the side of police? It would fall on where the police ruled it. I don't okay. think the ME the ME can rule undetermined, but if the police conclude that it's a suicide, that's a, and I I still think Ray Rivera's case is technically open, but it's not ruled a homicide. It's um that's very interesting, Andrew. I never thought about it like that, but now that that makes a lot of sense to me that why she, why that would cut because that's a lot of money and she's she's had to pay back every dime of that. Right. Um. After hearing Andrew, I mean, if you look at the trajectory of the jump from the from the ledge, that's like almost you just step off, right? You wouldn't have to take a sprinting run and launch yourself no. at the max a human male could run and jump to plunge through. You could just take a step off the ledge and you could just pen- and pencil and dive. Pencil dive. It, it's still very strange and that's why this case has resonated through the true crime community for so long is that no, if he did do that, no one's come forward in the hotel saying they seen him. No one can say how he got in. There was no his like, cell phone and his glasses still survived that tremendous fall, which is crazy. Like there's so much fuck. Like I I I said what I said, but at the same time, I'm not confident. There's zero confidence yeah. coming from. So me. that yeah, that's why it's so it's 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 an unsolved mystery. Like it's you can go Occam's razor and like yeah, he had mental illness and he jumped and maybe he hit a rotten part in the roof and he didn't need as much force as you would have hit in a different spot. Maybe it was a rotten part and you could have just, maybe you could have broke it just by walking on that roof. Like that does happen. And like if some roofs, you know, get it's an old place, maybe it hasn't, hasn't been kept up. You get, you know, you get some, the water pools in that one spot, you know, the membrane fails, it gets a little soft. So yes, it's a, there's a, there's, it's very complicated. You can, the thing about this case is you can't just explain everything away with like, yeah, he jumped from the parking garage or he jumped from the roof or he jumped from the ledge or he was tossed out of a helicopter or whatever. But it makes Occam's razor like the easiest way to, to solve it or to say it solved is he had mental illness. Maybe, yeah, as he was investigating a role or it was this, Maybe he had his whole life and they knew about it and he was very good at keeping it under wraps, which does happen a lot. And the tragic end to this man's life. Dan, what do you think? I don't like true crime. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Really? What? What? Get out of town. Get out of town. (laughs) I'll agree with, I'll go with Andrew's theory. It's fine. Psychotic break. Like that is what the most prevalent theory that the people who have put who people who have put a lot of time into investigating this case, including uh, Makita Brotman. Um, it, this is probably the only person I know who's put in the most time. I don't know how much, you know, a lot of people I think have got on the Ray Rivera train. I know the Netflix unsolved mysteries series put another, you know, revive the case for a bit. Um, f- from all from reading Makita Brotman's book that was published before the 
like a couple of years before the, and they interviewed her for the series, you know, Allison has already pretty much moved on. She had already kind of gotten past or at least gotten over the majority of the, the grief that uh, was provoked by, by Ray's death. Um, I know she's had two kids since then. She's uh, there was some talk of her kind of like basing a movie around her experience of this, like of this sort uh, in the book, at least. And yeah, so uh, having a sudden onset psychotic break, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, I think the whole people who kind of get, go into the conspiracy theories about, you know, the Freemasons or Stansbury and associates, like all that kind of stuff, I think is all a bunch of red herrings. I think it's just, yeah. But again, we do not have access to all the information for the case. We don't have access to the official police interviews. We don't have access to the actual Emmy report. We don't have access to all these things. So it's coming to these conclusions are based off of secondhand information. And that's it. Yeah. I'm not a forensic psychologist. I'm not a forensic pathologist. I'm not a forensic physicist. You're so a maester. I, yeah, I, I'm just a maester. So I don't, I don't feel comfortable putting you know, casting aspersions onto people who may or may not have absolutely nothing to do with this thing. I know Stansberry and them, the, the guy has said is that he's received as far as death threats because for some, you know, there are insinuations made in the Netflix series that he had something to do with the things. And I, I don't feel comfortable in, in making conclusions or, or putting that out there. One thing that actually came out after the Netflix came uh, series was that I guess they were going to release, they were getting ready to release all of uh, Ray's computers and stuff like that back to Allison. And some, the police told her that someone kept contacting them to get the computers back and didn't leave a name or anything like that, which is super interesting. Yeah. Anonymous first kept inquiring about the computers uh, at the Baltimore police, which is super weird. Like what, like, you know what I mean? Like potentially maybe he did have something on these people that they didn't want to fucking, you know, obviously they totally forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the police obviously didn't find it, but at the same time, you know, I don't know. Super weird. It's hard to find if you don't know what you're looking for. Exactly. Or Bill especially unsolved. when you're writing um, letters, like what he wrote, like who the fuck has any idea? You got theories on this case. Let us know on our socials, Instagram. Truth is out there. Uh, Alien theorist podcast. You can find us wherever uh, social media is. Um, Actually, direct them, direct them to Dan because he's very, yes, like he Dan. wants to know. He, he's, no, send, he send wants them to, to Andrew. No, Dan wants to know. <laughs> he really Dan does. wants to know. Dan, Andrew Dan, has the, and has Dan the wants most relevant background. And if you're listening to this and you have any information about this case, because it's still an open case, contact um, the, your local authorities or the Baltimore police or Dan, but other than that, or Dan, uh, what's uh, his phone number? That, Can we read Dan's phone number for everybody? Yeah, yeah, call yeah, him. Yeah, uh, it live. It's one five, 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 seven, five, three, Oh nine. Dano. Uh, why don't we get into a little space news? Yeah. God damn it, man. It feels like every week we come on here, we're talking about something shitty going on in the ISS. 
they located the leak, they isolated the leak, they figured out where the leak is, and now the oxygen supply just failed on part of the ISS, but uh, so far everyone is safe. Uh, the oxygen supply system has failed in a module on the Russian segment of the International Space Station, uh, but the crew is in no danger, according to Russian space agency Roscosmos. Uh, oxygen supply system on the Zvezda module on the orbital lab failed late on Wednesday, but a second system on the American segment is operating normally. So America, America is for the win again, American space, American space, but goddamn man, they're having lots of issues up there right now. It feels like that place is falling apart. This is just a continuation. This is the continuing issue of that. I think of that because they were having problems before. Oh, they've been with, having tons of problems. Things. It was leaking. With the air yeah. leaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's falling apart. That's we need project Artemis up there. We need a new space station. That, that honestly has to be like the suckiest experience. Like, it's just like, you know, you see lights flashing and you're like oxygen, oxygen level low. And you're like, Oh shit. Like, <laughs> Yeah. We're going to die. Well, again, I don't know. I don't know if they're on there. Like, Oh, just, sh- it's just that one segment. So just shut it off. Cause I mean, it's built, it's, it's a modular construction. And so it's like, you can it's meant off. to fail. Some parts, if are, if they fail, they're meant to be able to just completely shut off and self-sustaining. Right. From it's them. like a submarine where it's just like, okay, one, one piece is going to be like, whatever, just shut the bulkhead. Yeah. And whatever you're fine. Uh, but it does have to suck where it's like, I, I imagine it's just like, Oh shit. <laughs> Uh, it's got to even be worse than being on a submarine now i think about it because you're like oh you're in space like how long is it going to take the people like if you needed a specific material or something to affect repairs like how long is it going to take to get there yeah you can't just surface and then wait for a ship to come drop it off you can't pull into another port (laughs) and then just be like oh we got to fix this it's like I gotta wait for somebody to launch a fucking space rocket up here. Yeah, you're, it's not like you can turn your submarine into a boat and get it fixed. It's like the space station's fucked. <laughs> like, like it doesn't surface. Like that's it. It either comes yeah, it crashing down or you die in it. Like there's two options. Um, next for space news, uh, Beetlejuice is neither as far nor as large as we thought. And it's a total bummer. Beetlejuice. Stop saying that <laughs> shit. Michael Keaton. What are you trying to do here? <laughs> Is that you? you Someone here? knocked at the door. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't answer, Zell. Oh, it's not Michael Keaton. It's just Gina Davis. So the actual <laughs> physical size of Beetlejuice has always been a mystery. Earlier studies suggested it could be bigger than the orbit of Jupiter. But unfortunately, uh, results say that Beetlejuice only extends out to two thirds of that with a radius of 70, 750 times the radius of the sun, which is still fucking huge. Pretty big. Like I, I can't even fathom how big it is. How big what is? Beetlejuice. 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 God, they knocked Um, again. Good thing I got the door locked. But it's not nearly as big as they originally thought. Yeah. I guess it's weird because I thought that was such such a known thing. So I'm like, oh, we're still learning about sizes and stuff. So all those like videos that I've seen of like scale of the universe, everything can be shrunken down a little bit because uh, they were wrong about Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. This one was one I was following a little bit. Started on October 15th. Experts were watching in horror as two dead satellites were on track for a potential collision. 
So this was they an old discarded Chinese rocket stage and a defunct Russian military satellite were due to pass within 40 feet of each other oh. uh, on October 16th. Oh there was a greater than 10% chance the objects would actually collide uh, at an altitude of 991 <laughs> kilometers. A, gra- a greater than 10%. So it could technically be 12%. Well, yeah, 14%. or 11 um, but 40 feet. So like the, I guess it's within their margin of error, I'm guessing. So they, they were word it, and it was between, sorry, uh, one in 20%, I guess. Wait, 20%. <laughs> they just don't know. I guess it's not an exact science. The combined sure. math of both objects is 2,800 kilograms. So it's a fucking shitload of space debris. And, you know, we've talked about it on here before about like the dangers of the Kepler effect. If it's like, if something like this were to happen, Kessler effect, Kessler effect, would I say Kepler? Yeah. The Kessler effect where it could render space unreachable. What those collide, sending a chain reaction of debris hitting other satellites would blow up and hit other satellites. And then we just space is just, or our, our orbit is just Shrapnel. full of trash just flying around. You can't get out. At super fast speeds. Luckily, uh, October 17th, little quick space news update. These two objects narrowly missed each other, but it's this high-risk junction of these two defunct objects is brought to light. We need to figure out what the fuck we're going to do because if we don't do something, it's only a matter of time before some of these objects that we sent up in the fucking 80s and shit run into something. Hmm. Time to start our... Alien Theorist Theorizing Space Trash Collection Agency. Done. There's yeah. a, it's well, gonna, it's going to be a market like, for it. I'm, fi- I'm filing tomorrow for that. <laughs> it's it's weird because like <laughs> literally it's, it's dude space is just we got to start cleaning it up and like they've lost the ability to contact some of these satellites that are just floating up there. They're they're just do like they're just floating. Like they can't contact them. They can't maneuver them. They're they're dead up there. They're just fucking sitting there flying around out of control. Essentially. Flying at 14 kilometers a second or some shit. No big deal. Like fast speeds. Crazy. We got to start thinking about something. So hopefully Elon Musk's on it or someone. Someone smart. Space lasers. Dan, come yeah. on now. We need you. I told you, it's, it's going to be four. It'll be four rockets and then all connected, but are interconnected by like a large net. Yeah. And I like you it. Just like you fly it around that a certain trajectory, like major trajectory trajectory for most of the space trash pick it up crash it into mongolia somewhere we're good i mean why Mongolian don't you just up there? come up with some type of like megazord that can go up in space and slice them in half also just devour it good that'd be fucking cool. also or Gal- where's galactus B, at get megazord. him to eat that shit mm. well then he'll Let's eat see galactus eat that shit if you ever wanted to shred the gnar on pluto now's your chance because what? they've just <laughs> discovered snow capped mountains on Pluto. Say shred the gnar? Yeah. Is that a thing? That's a snowboarding term, Dan. Weird. I don't know. I've Obviously, been... you wouldn't know. I don't know. No, either. I wouldn't. <laughs> so <laughs> the NASA's New Horizons spacecraft has spotted snow-capped horizons uh, on Pluto, which is interesting because this is something I learned today, is that Pluto is weird for like, if you're on Earth, the closer you are to sea level, the warmer it is, and the higher in altitude, the colder it gets. 
Well, Pluto, it's actually reversed. The higher you, the closer you are to the surface, the colder it is. The higher you are, the warmer it is. Um, and that's because of solar radiation. So it was, uh, so I guess right at the mountaintops, there's a peak, uh, you know, it's peak for fresh pow pow. Was it actual water? Or was it like methane ice or something ridiculous? I don't know. I wasn't there. So it wouldn't be shredding the, it would be sh- shredding the meth. Yeah, shredding the meth. <laughs> That's all I had for Space News, I think. Did yeah, you guys have anything? No, let's, uh, we're going long here, so let's we're going keep long. it moving. Uh, no case file of the week this week. If you have a UFO story, a cryptid encounter, a ghost encounter, any kind of spooky story that you want to tell us, uh, shoot us an email at theorists at gmail.com and we'll punch it into the random Tron. yeah. That'll be for next week. None of that. I'm going to give out a theory of the week to I'm giving it this week. So if you want to be theory of the week, you got to make us laugh with a meme, funny comment, something that grabs our attention. And usually they, they come from the theorite Facebook group. So if you go to our Facebook page, you can join the group. This one is from Jack Pilston and it's Boss Braden. It's just Braden's face on a guy in the white suit. Oh, he's <laughs> fucking it, Boss Hog. Boss Hog. Yeah, yeah that's Boss Hog. I tried to, I, dude, I, I do good. declare. I tried to get uh, somebody to do fucking Roscoe Pico co train hmm. as Zell, but nobody fucking did it. I'm disappointed. <laughs> so, Jack Pilston, that's pretty good. you are theorite of the week. Yeah. All right. There's been there's been some good stuff. I pop into that Facebook group every now and then, and there's there's been some pretty. Oh good man, stuff. <laughs> the Facebook group is has come a long way in the last year. It's awesome. Yeah. There were there was a time where I was like I oh there was there was a very short time where uh, you know short period that I was like oh oh no oh no yeah yeah now now I'm like oh this is good <laughs> now it's mostly funny stuff yeah now it's mostly now good it's stuff. fun the I'm tides have turned on there all the time yes yes all right I'm gonna read some. New Patreons. Yes. Best part of the Ooh, fucking show. This is my favorite part of the show. Lay it on us. So. Lay it on us. What is it this week? Patreon supporting. Whoa, 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 whoa. Play the fucking song, man. It's playing. You want to hear it? No. No. Turn that shit up. Better? There we go. Oh, there we go. Patreon supporting from October 12th to 19th. That's the best part of the show. We salute you. Sarah Greer, Jera, Jeremy Dunstan, Kevin Unra, Ian, Guillermo Rojas, Guillermo, Guillermo Rojas, Rebel Lee, Devin Cartelli went up, Emily Bennett, Brock Masters up to the top tier. Thank you very much. Brock Masters! Hugo Rodriguez. Malet- Melissa Jeffrey went up. Pa- Popa Falopa. Marissa Lynn went up. Sir Dubbingsley and Michelle Hester. If you want to support your boys, support your favorite show, head over to our Patreon where you get early access to case files, bonus content, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And that's everything for this week. And as we always say, keep those eyes on 
the sky.